No objections to the rating? I'm okay with it, but not in the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, we I, I saw this with Dingus, and apparently several parents uh, thought this was perfectly appropriate for eight-year-olds. <laughs> I remember that, it was uh, parents. Probably, a, that was the consensus in our audience: is Hey, eight-year-olds, come on out and see Dark Skies. Uh, yes, Kelly, what would they think of it? Oh, uh, we we weren't there for the polling portion after the movie. We did not stick around for that part. Did you hear them say or scream anything or react or? Uh, what I heard most during the movie was Dingus. Uh, I heard Tom. He's louder than any four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you know, we'll get into Dingus's contribution to the movie, and I'm sure he'll make up some stories about me reacting certain ways to certain things. Uh, so, but before we do that, uh, I want to warn people from this point on: if you haven't seen Dark Skies, we might spoil like plot twists or character developments or reveals or backstory motivation, things like that might be spoiled if you haven't seen Dark Skies. I want to warn you. And I'd like to kick off... Oh, you know what? No, hold on. I'm not going to spoil anything. First, we're going to do some numbers. These numbers don't spoil anything about Dark Skies. <laughs> these numbers are low, so we can do them quickly. See, Dark I see Skies, these as the actual spoilers. Well, let me spoil it for you then, Kelly. Right. Dark Skies opened at number six with $9 million on its opening weekend. <laughs> There's six movies out. It's nothing if not not. It's actually five, Kelly Wand, because there's no zero in the top ten. They don't count zero. It's Oscar weekend, which most people celebrate by seeing Dark Skies. Historically, uh, it uh, on Metacritic, which uses the which which accumulates the average rating of reviews that use ratings. Uh, Dark Skies is at 48. On Rotten Tomatoes, which gives you the percentage of reviews that are positive, 34 percent of all reviews of Dark Skies are positive. Huh. There you go. So, Kelly Wan, did that spoil anything for you? Uh, I wasn't listening, but yes. <laughs> well, let's then get to some spoilers. Kelly Wan, why don't you spoil the entire movie for everyone listening by giving away everything that happens? <sighs> I don't know what you would call such a thing. Maybe a dark scopsis? Dark skypsis. Dark skypsis. I was so close. Product placement. <laughs> All right. So, with, with Kelly Wan. Oh, wait, Wan's... wait. Doing yes, my opsis announcement. Mm-hmm. Because you promised one last week, and then you reneged. Yeah. Well, I forgot. So <laughs> okay. I, I'll forget again this week. So I was just going to say, now they have shit loads of time on my hands instead of kickstartering for the Opsis, which seemed kind of whiny, I thought, later. I'm going to edit an anthology of them on Kindle and make a book one signed by Tom and Dingus. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what will you call this book, Kelly Wand? The Opsis. The Opsis. <laughs> Volume 1. <laughs> I like the sound of that. So you want me to edit? Tom wants me to edit them with movie footage, uh, but he doesn't get that I hate the sound of my voice too much. Even listen to these podcasts once, so that doesn't sound like it's gonna. It's gonna Kelly, Wand, your your self, your the the self loathing you have for your voice is your own baggage. I think everybody feels that part of the appeal of the opsies is how, bad, how annoying my voice is. No, the Kelly Wand delivery. I think it's part and parcel of it. And uh, just these days, you know what, Kelly Wand. Kids don't want to read books these days. They want to watch YouTube videos. So I, I think if you want to make yourself like popular with the kids, uh, you should definitely edit the opsies, your voiceover, to actual movie footage. Because um, they're for kids only. Well, by kids, I mean people under 30. Hmm. Stoners <laughs> and buffoons. Uh, so, Kelly, when is the, what is the release date for the Apotheopsis uh, mm -hmm. Volume 1? Well... I don't know. Is this a Q3, Q4 kind of situation, maybe? 
I don't work Capcom anymore. I don't speak that tongue. <laughs> uh, well, I, I would be fully supportive of you doing this. I, I think it's a cool idea, and I'm sure a lot of listeners would love to acquire. Both our listeners would be very excited. They would love to acquire such a, a volume. Um, so, well, I, they, yeah, Listeners, you guys, would, would you rather hear Tom's idea, where it's like video and my annoying voice, or read it, edited carefully... <laughs> By someone well, who knows or he's, Okay, never mind. Will there, will there be pictures in the book, Kelly Wong? Yeah, I'm going to commission uh-huh. artwork from a real artist. Ah, okay, I like this. Like, uh, Boris Vallejo? No, maybe Dingus, <laughs> if, he, if he can draw. I can ask him that. Dingus, Dingus Vallejo. Uh, all right, well, Kelly Wong, keep us posted on how this is coming. I think this is a great idea. I, I know folks would love such a thing. Uh, and as it's progressing, uh, keep uh, keep giving us updates on the podcast. But now, what people are waiting for? Yeah, let's justify least, that. Is... At least Dingus and I. Here's the sort of thing you would get in a printed volume. Here or... is the Dark Skypsis by Kelly Wand. <clears throat> Dark Skypsis. Meet the Du family. <laughs> Starting strong. Yep. Dad's an out of work architect who goes to job interviews and says shit like. What's my specialty? I guess boarding up windows and wooden doors with plywood and Phillips head screws. Stupid aliens. And they go, we didn't ask that. Also, Mr. Duh, it says here you were fired from every job ever. And he's all, yeah, but I was thinking of leaving them all anyway. Also, it's not a big deal, but it's pronounced duh with three H's. Middle one's silent. Speaking of which, and he vomits all over the conference table. They're all, we'll call you if we need a painter. <clears throat> See, if you're reading that, <laughs> the mom, played by Julie Haggerty and Judging Amy, is a freelance real estate agent. She sucks at it, even though she has a little house to sell. You just ruined Carrie Russell for me for all time. Nicely done, jerk. I keep, uh, there's more ruinings. <clears throat> so I got a cold right now. So then if you read it, I wouldn't have a cold right now. That was me hitting my chest. It wasn't something else. Real estate. She sucks at it. <laughs> Even though she has only one house to sell. Her old one. She says to one mom giving her asthmatic daughter an antihistamine, Hey, other mom, don't worry. It gets easier getting antihistamines out of your purse. The mom's all, fuck, my life's a living hell. How do you put up with this? No offense, honey. Judging Amy's all, you know what? I'm going to level with you. This house sucks. I was trying to swindle you guys, but since your kid's so noisy and such an albatross, I'm going to fuck over the next family instead. Unless they, too, have ailing offspring. Although the Doe's have no money, they live in a two-story mansion that the dad didn't build. They also have two boys that, judging from their features, he probably wasn't involved in the making of either. I heard Tom's cat. It's cute and true. The older Justin Bieber kids, awkward and taciturn. <laughs> he goes over to his older friend Butch's house to watch porn in grave silence while Butch prances around with a hard on, whooping, Woohoo! Check out the boils on that shaft, bro! Aliens abduct my ass, I'm gonna blow their minds! Woohoo! Party! <laughs> Justin's all, yeah, this is neat. He begins peeling a Brussels sprout. 
That's what you could see. You read that. <sighs> that night, Bieber reads spooky shit to his younger sibling over walkie-talkies. Sounds like a terrible way to read a book. Anyway, the younger one's all, Wait, so the moon rocks were spiders? Does that mean the moon giant spider? Like in Wild Wild West? Bieber's all, Wild Wild West is just documentary, stinky. Just documentary. <laughs> like the fourth kind, communion, fire in the sky, pretty woman, and mothman. Now pretend to sleep. Meanwhile, Dad's trying to get it on with Dina Meyer. But she's all, come on, honey, I need these papers for my laptop so I can sell our house. It's been like 12 years. Maybe I should vacuum it. Speaking of which, how'd your interview go? He's all, oh, I guess you could say they were stunned by everything that came out of my mouth. I mean, I start Monday, although I think we need to cancel the cable and hold up a liquor store. She's all, speaking of liquor, and heads down to the kitchen, where she finds all their family photos missing, the refrigerator gutted, and a giant diorama made out of CG and tin cans in their dining room. The kid with more baby teeth staring at it woodenly. That's why he was cast. She's all, Stinky, did you see who did all this? The kid's all, yeah, the Sandman did it before he came into my room. <laughs> That's how that kid talks. Sorry, parrots. She's all, dude, you're old enough to play baseball. The kid's all, all right, a blurry piece of CG came to my room and said, hey, I'm an alien from another planet, but tell your mom I'm the Sandman. We're actually here for your brother, but we keep beaming into the wrong bedroom. Also, I just put some shit out of tin cans in your kitchen. Take it easy. Oh, and try harder. <laughs> then he got into a spaceship and crashed into our car with it and shook his fist and bailed the dad's all hmm able to open a refrigerator make a skyscraper out of cg dinner plates but doesn't eat bacon definitely a rabbit the next day mom calls the police and a cop comes over with a notepad to shake his head he's all yeah mrs Duh, might have been helpful if you kept the skyscraper you're talking about intact or at least photographed it so we knew what the fuck you're talking about the kids <laughs> do crazy things when they're sleeping with me it's farting for my wife it's ejaculation Anyway, much like identity theft in a comedy, legally not a lot you can do about aliens, especially in a horror movie. <laughs> Six of them were gangbanging my wife. No laws against it, although if you saw my wife, you'd have felt bad for him. Good luck. Hey, I see you guys got a state-of-the-art alarm system. Dad's all, yeah, but I turned it off to somehow save money. The cops all, yeah, that's what we recommend. Maybe give us a call if you murder anyone or make counterfeit money, or if you're illegally parked, be safe. The next day, a bunch of birds pelt their house. The cop, who never left, comes back outside and doodles on his pad. Yeah, that's a lot of birds, all right. Uh, as you can see, we have guys in spacesuits putting them into Tupperware. <laughs> Something Chinatown, pigeons. Legally, not much we can charge them with except littering or loitering. I get those two mixed up. We'll sweat them in interrogation, see what sticks. Thanks for the notepad. That night, the dad sits up and vigilantly watches his security cams, his every nerve tingling that he falls asleep. The mom <laughs> perpetually screams him awake with a megaphone. He's all, whoa! <laughs> See if you read that. She's all, all the alarms got tripped simultaneously, and I just saw a fuzzy piece of CG standing over our son's bed, pouring over a blueprint of the house and scratching its head. He farts scornfully. Aliens aren't real. It's probably demons or ghosts or Siamese twins. Being married, you's fucking lame. She saw you win. The next day, the younger kid's being victimized by a ring of other kids and their parents, chanting in a ring around him. 
See, if, I, if you'd read that, I would have edited it. Now whose fault does it suck? Aha, Billy's possessed by aliens. His dad comes over and goes, leave him alone. We're a perfectly normal family. The kid starts pissing his pants as the dad's nose starts gushing blood and a fly's ass starts growing from his ear. With this, it's just a bug bite. You people need to take a look in the mirror. Bam, bam. They look over to see his wife, Mary Steenburgen, banging her head repeatedly into a glass door while a fat couple looks on in horror. The dad's all, okay, uh, that's just a Lamaze exercise. We're trying to have a third kid since we're kind of over two. Crash, her head smashes through the door. She begins calmly eating the glass. Dad's all, doing great, honey. Keep it up. The guy part of the fat couple goes, uh, how much for just the glass door? <laughs> One of the moms holds up a cell phone. Mr. Dutz, your kid's porn-loving friend Butch's father. He says your son's levitating in the middle of the woods and his eyes are turning CG. <laughs> the dad's all, what? It's puberty. Another mom raises Stinky's shirt, exposing a shitload of purple welts and alien hieroglyphics. The dad's all, chicken pox? The mom's all, I'm only a first-year astronomer. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, Tom. My strength's my acting. <laughs> Eidetic memory. I'm only a first-year astronomer, but I think this one says, wrong kid, try other bedroom. <laughs> that night, Mrs. Does all. Wow, neither of us noticed our son's torsos covered in purple welts. Maybe we are shitty parents. Dad's all, not both of us. And he touches her boob. She's all, have you ever even kissed a girl? He looks away morosely. <laughs> She's all, speaking of which, the state police, scientists, doctors, and filmmakers have also been pretty impotent so far as far as telling us what the fuck's going on. I think we need to go see a badass specialist who can give us some real answers and empower us for Grand Third <laughs> Alley. <laughs> It's only funny for the movie, probably. But. Hey, look, this guy's on the internet. Says he specializes in cutting and mounting newspaper clippings. And owns a book about aliens. The dad's cool. Oh, I love you again, because I just remembered the last time I thought you were awesome, which was 14 years ago when What's-His-Face was sick. You cried a lot. I like that. That's what I saw, dingus. I'm just reporting what I saw on the screen, verbatim, <laughs> by Scott Stewart, Kristen Stewart. They go see J.K. Rowling, who's all old and morose, and comes <laughs> down the hallway to see them camped in front of his apartment. Sorry, I had to buy groceries. They're all, that's okay, we didn't call first. Some aliens are being really annoying to us. We thought some exposition would slow things down from this break. <laughs> <laughs> They sit down amid squalor and cat shit. <clears throat> He's all, yeah, dogs hate aliens, so I have cats for some reason. He picks up a clipboard. <laughs> it's kind of funny what I'm not making. Picks up a clipboard. All right, let's see here. If you guys had at least one cat scare piece, they're all yeah. <laughs> they're moving horrible bosses. Oh yeah. No. What? No. What? 
Did one of your kids refer to the aliens as the Tooth Fairy, Captain Kangaroo, or some other pop cultural? Dead's all Sandman. J.K. Rowling erases his first check mark. Erratic animal behavior like those deer in the ring, too. The mom's all birds. The dad's all I had sex with an anthill. The mom stares at him. He's all not in our bed. J.K. Rowling's all. Yeah, I don't fight him anymore, whatever that means. But I think I can help you. He picks up a book and shows them an illustration of three stick figures. He's all, I have no idea who wrote this book or drew this, but here are the three basic alien types. The reptilioids, the insectozoans, and the normal kind. <clears throat> Pretty sure the first two are bullshit, but this is still the most informative page in the whole book. He shuts. Thanks for stopping by. Donations welcome. He squeezes the mom's thigh. All currencies. The mom's all, I think we should go. The dad's all, uh, uh, uh. quick follow-up. If they're super advanced, why are they such dicks? J.K. Rowling's all. That's like asking the lab rat. We clone the milk from every morning. Why we're dicks? The mom's all. Yeah, why are we? The dad's all. My genes must be pretty awesome for the aliens to want them this bad. J.K. Rowling's all. Actually, they're into hillbillies and dumb shits. Fewer teeth, less biting. Good news is they usually only take one of you. Kid-wise, you guys got a spare. Anyway, know which one they want by who they monkey around with the most. The mom's all. It's been doing stupid shit to all four of us. J.K. Rowling's all, look, I already feel like I've helped you guys too much, but the best advice I can give you, you want to beat this thing, it's imperative you stay unified. Stick together at all costs. He takes the mom's hand and heads for the bedroom. (laughs) The dad's all, stick together? That's it? What about guns, knives, martial arts? Uh, J.K. Rowling shuts the bedroom door. The mom cries out blissfully, is that an implant? He's all, like I said, I don't fight him. (laughs) On the way home, they stop at the dog pound. A vicious German shepherd gnaws its way through an electric fence and chews on Justin Bieber's arm. The mom saw, we'll take him. They go home. Then Justin Bieber tries to get on his bike and ride away. But the dog keeps mauling his leg. You ruined everything, he shouts at his dad and pedals off. The dad boards up all the windows and doors, then gestures proudly at his handiwork with his hammer to his wife. Huh? Mother is the necessity of invention. Good thing you're married to the next Frank Lloyd Wright, baby. She's all, didn't we establish they can subvert alarm systems and lock doors? He throws the hammer down in disgust. Just once in my life, can't you accept that maybe I know what I'm doing? Justin Bieber swings open the plywood board in front door and comes in. He's all, I changed my mind for some reason. The other boards all fall with a crash. That night, the aliens show up and casually begin popping the screws out of the doors. The dad is trying to load his shotgun while the German shepherd chews his shredded pant leg is all. The rest of you go upstairs and wait to die. I got this. <laughs> Amy Irving's all. Wasn't the dude's only advice to us to stay together? He's all. I said to die, I got. <laughs> See, I'm making it sound fun. You know, fun. But anyway, the mom and kids sigh and go upstairs and watch TV static. They take shots. Dad comes staggering in, bleeding from the chest. She's all, did you get one of them at least? Man, <laughs> I dropped the gun, then he picked it up in its teeth and shot me in the chest. Aliens put a sniper scope on first. Oh, starting to think should have gone with the St. Bernard. The dog goes off with the aliens. To serious, JK. And they take Justin Bieber, too, after sweetening the honeypot with a PG-13 
or 14 in Canada, hallucination of his parents reenacting The Shining. Three months later, they cheerfully move into an apartment, the non-abducted survivors. The dad's on the phone. Look, you're a lawyer. At least pretend we can pay you. Mom's going through a box. She finds pictures of Justin Bieber two years ago that she never noticed before, even when packing them, of him walking with aliens into a ship, which she never brought up during all this. The walkie-talkie also in the box crackles with static. She picks it up and goes, Justin? He's all, hey, Mom, guess I was holding the other walkie-talkie when they took me home. <laughs> and I'm still within its 20-foot range. <laughs> another city. Uh, listen, uh, I was just talking to the aliens, and I know what they want. I need you to go get it and bring it to Devil's Tower or Roswell whenever you get a chance. It's in Butch's VCR. The end. <laughs> See, they wanted the porn. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bitch! <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan, very nice. I ruin all I unruin. Uh, all right, so uh, Dingus, get in here. Uh, you've been watching a lot of Scott Stewart movies lately. How does this fit into the Scott Stewart oeuvre for you? I would say it fits below Priest, but well below Legion. Wow, below Legion. Okay, all right. Wait, so, wait, he likes Legion more than Priest? Uh no no I I like I think Priest is a better movie than Legion I like Legion more than Priest and this movie isn't even in his oeuvre. Technically it is Dingus I, I would dispute that. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Kelly Wand where does this fit Kelly Wand have you seen Priest by the way? No but I didn't know Carl Urban was in it or I would have. Carl Urban actually. was in this. Yeah no that's definitely a Carl Urban movie. Maggie Q was in Priest. Does that sweeten the pot for you? Yeah she was. It's all sweet, man. Legion was... Is it even related to Legion? Is this related to Legion? No, so Legion... You could almost argue that, like, Legion... Dingus, they have sort of similarities, but Priest was based on a... He's not getting a better or smarter filmmaker. uh, Priest was based on, I think, a Korean comic book, and I think Legion was his own thing that he wrote. Is that right, Dingus? Do you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, And this also... Dingus, did Scott Stewart write Dark Skies? Yeah, he did. But the thing is, I I I enjoyed Legion a great deal. I I did not enjoy Dark Skies in the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's w- only one little thing I enjoyed, but it doesn't really matter. I, I really I had a great time watching Legion, and I thought Priest was fairly well made, and this is just uh, just ah. Uh. Uh, I mean, there's how do you spell that? There's not a there's. This is how I spell it. There's not one. A character or person who acts like a person yeah. in this movie, and it drives me up the freaking wall. I couldn't stand it. Uh, I mean, the, the best the best thing I can say about it is I got to hear you shriek. Mm, I don't but know what? what you're talking about. I don't think I shriek. I mm. no, nah, yeah, no, you must be. Wait, there was nothing shriekable in. No, I totally jumped the scene where she turns the light on, and that first gray is like over the first appearance of the gray. I to- that totally got me. I uh, had a, a bit of a jump at that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. The moment that she uh, says, there was someone, when that little dude, when that dude is there in Sam's room, you know, Tom totally freaked. You see it coming, though. He telegraphs it, really. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. I He didn't have news crawls to watch. Let me recreate for you what happened. I didn't freak. Here's how it went. The lights come on, and you see that scary thing, and I'm like, whoa. Like, that's kind of how I react. It's just like kind of a really calm, cool, collected, Whoa. Like, that was my reaction. No. Call it a freak. Dingus uh, doesn't pull shriek out of his ass unless he has real cause. 
Uh, Dingus jumps and shrieks at certain movies. I don't think he did at this one. Only though. rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so Kelly Wan, do you agree with Dingus's assessment that this is even worse than Legion? Because that's pretty yeah. low. If for the same reason he said, too, because, like, the thing that I think sucks about The Ring is there's just too much exposition in it, and I don't really give a shit why the ghost's pissed off. But, like, Naomi Watts' character in that movie is a reporter, and she uses her reporter skills, like, all right, I've got to figure out, like, some shit or my son dies, and I die in seven days. And this guy's supposed to be a fucking architect, and... They just seem like they're idiots. They're terrible. They're a terrible family. Separately. Well, now, Kelly Wand, they do research on uh, search. They go to search. <laughs> they go to website search, and they do research there. That's they're, my favorite moment, search. So are they stupid? I mean, are we supposed to think the dad is, like... The they're dad? just not real people. They couldn't afford Bing. <laughs> it's so easy to get us... I don't know. seems like a simple thing. Uh, doing the research you're saying, or acting like real people, what would be the simple Making thing? us relate to a family that aliens are harassing. Mm-hmm. Like signs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I, I actually quite like this. Uh, I wouldn't say it was good, uh, but considering the genre that it fits in, you know, aliens terrorizing people uh there's so many awful things out there and just horror films in general uh i, I liked this uh i wait a minute. You... did you say you quite liked this yes i did i oh, did I'm so what you like yeah. this oh, this is awesome well as far as movies about aliens or i mean that's it's, I, it's they're you know it's not particularly well written i think that scott stewart loses track of his point before it's over, uh, and he kind of has to scramble to catch up with the point he's trying to make. But the way I look at this movie, what, what Scott Stewart is trying to do, I like a lot more than what he actually did. But in the course of what he actually did, I can see what he's trying to do, and I can appreciate it. And what I see, what I appreciate about this, uh, the, the overall point of the script is it's kind of like Take Shelter, but with aliens, oh, in God. that it's about um, families. Okay. All right, uh, can we start the recording over? Um, <laughs> it's a, it's about a fa- take shelter. I would like to stop this recording and erase everything that just happened, and let's start over and re- agree not to reference the movie Take Shelter. Well, Take Shelter is a, it's a zeitgeist movie about families having specific, you know, the, the problems that people can identify with, and through that lens, it looks at mental illness. That's the point of Take Shelter. This movie tries to do that, and through that lens, look at alien abduction, which is a little silly. Um, but <laughs> alien ab- tries without laughing. Well, alien abduction is this fixture of of contemporary horror movies. I mean, it's a it's a unique brand of horror movies, you know. The best bet for aliens to harass someone is to do it to someone completely wacky like Christopher Walken with Communion. You know, uh, Communion is a, a, a freaky movie, partly because Christopher Walken is so crazy, partly because of the background of Communion. You know, it's this horror writer who's decided, hey, I'm going to write a story and pretend it's true. This Whitley Stryber guy who wrote this book, Communion, and then they make a movie out of it. I think it's Philippe Mora made it. And there's some weird, scary stuff with the little greys. Um, this is trying to do that kind of horror, but with that same concept of a modern family and the zeitgeist of that family having financial problems, you know, problems with, with uh, the, their children being worried about divorce, uh, the father trying to get a job. Um, you know, I, what Scott Stewart is trying to do is take shelter with aliens. It's not entirely successful, but I love the idea that the end of the movie, the point of this movie is the best defense against Aliens is family values. 
is you know, this this stick together thing. Uh, you know, I, I love. I'm, I'm watching the movie, thinking these idiots. They should just get a dog like Lucy in Paranormal Activity Two. They should get a dog like that. And the movie knew I was thinking that. You know, they go and they get a dog. Uh, it becomes a movie about. They'll pay off for the dog, though. Well, the dog goes missing. Where was the dog during the siege scene? Exactly, it just disappears. We don't even yeah. know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying Perfect. this movie is particularly well made. Although a lot of it, I, I will say one thing. I really admire. Over, that this movie does over most horror movies is how quiet and ominous it is early on. You know, I have to give Scott Stirk credit for, for that, for, for a really slow build. Um, you, you know, he doesn't whip out the crazy CG aliens that often. He takes his time revealing them. Uh, there are legitimate, suspenseful, ominous scenes where nothing really happens. And I, I didn't expect that from this. You know, I thought this was going to be something like uh, you guys didn't see uh, Insidious or Sinister. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be something like that, um, and it wasn't. Like if, if you if you put this in league with those movies, uh, this is miles and away better because at least it's trying to make a to me unique point that these other movies where possessed kids kill people, the, those movies don't generally have much of a point. So yeah, so I, I kind of like this. Mm, it's too derivative. Way derivative, Kelly Wand. You're so right. Man, and just derivative of weird things at weird times, isn't it? Yeah. The screws, even. That's derivative. That's Close Encounters. The same fucking thing. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and even the shot where Dingus... Did you did you see any point where you felt like Scott Stewart was was uh, had had watched Seven recently? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm too busy... Uh, Getting over the fact that you called the dog in Paranormal Activity 2 Lucy. What was her name? Abby. 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 There's got to be a movie with an awesome German Shepherd named Lucy that I'm thinking of. What is that? I have no idea, but I'm too annoyed with you. (laughs) (laughs) So it it seemed to me, I mean, you're right, Kelly Wan's so derivative. I mean, and it's kind of funny because one of the cool things about Priest is it has these weird, like, I've never really seen that before moments. Just. Just it's just weird flights of fancy, and maybe they're from the comic book. Uh, this was just so many things that he was just riffing on stuff from other movies. Uh, and the point where they go to J.K. Simmons' house, yeah. and he's coming down the hallway with that that fedora and the bag of groceries. That was a shot from Seven. Or clearly a shot from Seven when he's when he's got those silly bags of groceries. He's way yeah. down the hall. Yeah. Why would he do that? Had he? I mean, what's the point of, of riffing on, on Seven? On it. I don't know what that was. That was so weird. Uh, and certainly, of course, you know, ripping off that thing. And I remember mentioning this to you guys when I actually watched the trailer for this, uh, ripping off the bit from Poltergeist where Joe Beth Williams bends down mm-hmm. and there's all the chairs stacked up. That was that whole living room bit. Um, That's why Poltergeist was awesome, though, because that family was awesome. She was kind of into it at first, and they reacted to it. So, oh, isn't that great when it's doing that shit? And in this, they have no reaction. Like, well, I will say, yeah, I mean, the cast isn't I, – I I think I like Carrie Russell. I don't know. I wouldn't know from this movie. It's the writing's fault, not hers. I mean, I kind of like the middle the, – the older kid, just as an actor. I kind of liked him, I guess. Is the dad supposed to be sympathetic or part of the problem? Like an orphan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of poor Josh Hamilton. <laughs> I also, I mean, like, we never got a good look at the aliens for the whole movie, which I think is puss. And it's like, I, we, I'm bummed we didn't get to see it uh, go on the ship. Even Skyline gave us a little ship. Well, here's the, the problem the, is that nobody ever acts like a human being in this entire movie. I don't know what you're talking about, Tom. You're driving me nuts here. What do you mean, the, what I'm talking about? 
He's saying of the genre, this one. Yeah, I mean, people in horror movies, Dingus, don't act like human beings. You're you're expecting way too much from crappy horror movies if you want actual authentic reactions. And and by the way, this is not – that's not the level that I liked it on. I didn't really care for the characters. The level I liked it on is the idea of what Scott Stewart, I think, wanted to do. A horror movie about aliens that that becomes a, st- a story about how families need to stick together. That that's the point. <laughs> they don't though. They don't but stick they, together. Well, I know they fail. They lose their child to the alien. And by the way, I want to say another movie it reminded me of, and a movie that's way better, and is in fact the inverse of Dark Skies, is a really cool movie called The Forgotten, which begins with the uh, premise of. The- good choice yeah and, and forgotten flips the equation it begins with the premise you know how does a family react to a missing child specifically how does one woman deal with the loss of a missing child and over the course of the movie you discover oh well she's crazy she never had a child and then later alien shenanigans get folded in and it becomes the and i hate to ruin the forgotten because it would be awesome if you could watch it and not know this but i think there's so much press about the forgotten i think so many people know the special effects shots from that movies from that movie uh the forgotten becomes this crazy alien shenanigans movie so this is the inverse of that dark skies hey alien shenanigans and then it ends with a story about a a family with a missing child um so it kind of reminds me of that the forgotten was doing the same thing but good lord with julianne moore anchoring a movie that's going to give you just so much more um but i get it (laughs) Uh, you know i i think carrie russell's doing her level best I, i i really do I think she's doing that. But Why Josh are you so Hamilton, fond of her, Dingus? Because I, I just know her as the chick from Mission Impossible who gets whose eye turns inward when her <laughs> brain bomb explodes. Well, uh, I, I really liked her in that, and I liked her I in Outside too. of Anger as well. I mean, I think she's oh. good. Um, I, I, I don't really know her, know her from anything else, and I don't think she has a whole lot to do here that's worthwhile, yeah. but at least she's trying to do a real character. And um, I just don't think anybody else including her. The problem with this movie is the characters. Nobody acts like a real person, ever. And Josh Hamilton is horrible. The poor guy, he doesn't have a thing to do that's real. There's nothing real in this movie. It drives me nuts. And so when you bring up Take Shelter, I, I... automatically brook. Uh, and, you know, I'm sorry, because I, I like the, the point that you're trying to make. But I'm, I'm going nuts here because none of these people act like real people. There's not a moment in this movie that's real. Including well, the aliens. That, the aliens don't act like it. Well, that, you know, that's another thing i got to say, though, Kelly Wand. And, and Dingus, you're, I, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. If that's your criteria for a horror movie, you are in the wrong genre in a way. Because people <laughs> I have disagree. To... Good horror movies have characters that act yeah, like real people. I'm just talking about good horror movies. Right. Alien, Jaws, all of them. The good ones. Kelly Wan, so if, if you think Alien and Jaws are representative of the genre, you haven't watched enough horror, uh, is my point. <laughs> Orphan. Again. Again, Orphan, again, Orphan, by the way. Uh, by the way, Orphan, not a thriller because there's no spies in it. Oh. <laughs> She's a spy. She's a Russian spy. Spoiler Here's it, Kelly Wan. When I, when, if, if your frame of reference are movies like, like I'm saying, Insidious and Sinister, the same kind of like. No, those are ghosts. This is low dope. budget. Well, but aliens are latter day ghosts. I mean, mm-hmm. aliens are, are you substitute. And, and, and I was going to say, you know. Dingus, you're right. The human, the, the way people act is stupid. You know, the whole setting up the cameras, that was just like creepy and weird. You know, why? He's going to watch it's his. It's not whole- just that. It's how did you guys afford to set up this camera? Yeah, because they can't afford therapy, oh, right? Yeah. 
but <laughs> Kelly, what down to the moment where where the kid pisses his pants and the kids on the playground and the dad, none of them react the way anybody would react yeah. to them. But you're not doing it out in the house. And what about your bloody nose and six other things you're not mentioning? Like, She's like honey, honey why aren't you responding to me? Carrie, have you been here for the rest of the movie? Yeah. They don't, they never, it's like Lost. They never share information with each other. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. Uh, but one of the things I liked, though, about, uh, in talking about the aliens, is this idea that we, it's almost like the same with the demon and paranormal activity. If someone explains in the course of the movie, you can't understand why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, they, they give themselves an out for the aliens doing all the crazy stuff with tripping the alarms, uh, being able to morph in and out of walls. You just can't understand. You don't know what they're doing. Uh, I, I kind of like that the movie isn't trying to tell a cohesive story about the alien That's motivation. Uh, but it's not – I mean, Mothman's creepier. Like, it's one of my – It's creepy one movie. yeah. Movies because the aliens aren't they just seem dumb like they don't seem beyond well they're pranksters I mean it it plays them as pranksters and, and that's even I think yeah, a word that, that J K Simmons uses uh, this idea that they are they're they're pranksters it's not even necessarily malice they're just messing with these people um, but then the kids but, all oh I promise I won't tell them like that's their prank <laughs> is to go to the other kid and go hey tell your parents here let but, me ask you guys this is it better than Mama for instance this movie no. Okay, because I would disagree. Because there's nothing scary or creepy or ominous in Mama. Uh, you know, Mama was just like True. Ju- jumps and, and CG stuff that looked kind of cool. You know, I liked how comparatively restrained this was next to Mama. Mama, it's, it's not the the horror aspects that are my problem. It's the human aspects that are my problem with this movie. Sure. And, and here's 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 a major difficulty that I have, is that the that Scott hasn't bothered to figure out how parents are going to react in any given situation. So, like, if his kid pisses himself in the playground, a dad's not going to run up and announce to everybody in the playground, "Hey, I told you if you had to go to the bathroom to tell me." Uh. <laughs> and grab the kid and run away. Or, for instance, run away in in the he's going <laughs> to he's going to run. Away. Like, He's going to run that kid off to the bathroom and take care of him. He's not going to explain to everybody else so he looks good. But but here's here's my my th- this moment this I'm ready to believe moment where the kids are in their rooms and Josh Hamilton lies down with his wife to do this whole hey remember when Jesse was sick and I'm going to you know remember when he was sick and I'm going to talk to you about this whole thing about when Jesse was sick and meanwhile our kids are in their rooms. And I'm terrified about the fact that aliens are sneaking into the rooms, and I'm not going to do anything about that because yeah. I'm just going to have this expositional scene where I do a monologue to you about how I'm ready to believe right now, and I'm just going to lie here and talk to you about That's not about how aliens are reacting or horror. This is about how parents are reacting to the fact that they're not sleeping in the same room with their kids who are about to be abducted by somebody. This is just this bizarre moment where the screenwriter decided, I'm going to have this moment where Josh Hamilton is lying down and talking to Kara Russell, and we don't care where the kids are. Just like when they go to J.K. Simmons, we don't care where the kids are. Nobody cares where the kids are. It's like that moment in, oh, geez, what's it's uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, where that little girl is in the bathtub and nobody cares where she is. It, that drives me nuts. It's not. It's not the horror aspect that drives me crazy. It's the human aspect that, that the screenwriter should be able to take care of. That if he's not going to bother to take care of the science fiction aspects. 
Davis, yeah. you sound like the people who uh, who object to Skyfall and and the fact that Javier Bardem makes a train fall on James Bond exactly at the right time. Like if that's your criteria for what you want in a James Bond movie, you're in the wrong genre. Yeah, and I think right. if you if your criteria, Dingus, is how parents really behave towards their children in a horror movie, I think you're 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 in the wrong genre. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're it, I'm not saying you are probably right. And, and I'm saying I think Dingus part. Of, I don't know. It's a like you kind of were expecting I, I wouldn't say you're expecting you are comparing this movie to take shelter and it fails on every front in that well, comparison. You are well, no, no, here. that's what I'm saying. With the way you're the way you're talking about it is comparing it to a, a movie like Take Shelter. And I'm only mentioning Take Shelter because that's one where I see it has some thematic comparisons to it. It fails on every front in that comparison. That's what you're doing, and that's a fair compare that's a fair point to make. I am comparing it to Sinister. And comparing it to Sinister, it's it's far and away better on almost every point. Uh, so I, I think we're both right. It's just we kind of both had uh, – we're using a different point of reference, I, I think. Uh, well, what I like is that there's a moment where um, where that cop dude says, this isn't Sinister. <laughs> so, uh, what? No. That cop dude no, felt like he was – says This isn't Sinister. People right. do weird things when they're sleepwalking. Uh, that cop dude, by, by the way... It's nothing insidious about it. <laughs> right, exactly, Kelly Wand. Uh, that guy, it felt like they called that guy in from a sitcom. He was he was kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I did love how he came in. And he's like, okay, be safe. Peace out! He's like, <laughs> yeah. That actor knew what he was doing. That's the way that character should have been. <laughs> but maybe he'd never see him again, either. I, uh, I will say, and I found this sickening in a good way, uh, this idea that uh, that the kids had little marks all over them and that Child Protective Services, like, that got really icky for me. You know, this idea that the – I mean – It doesn't and again, go anywhere. It, it completely doesn't go anywhere, and where it should have gone is they should lose their kids. Yeah. I mean, when, when you – like, that, that's right. <laughs> that, that was, like, weird, scary stakes when that came up. And, yeah, you're right. It didn't go anywhere. But that was like, ew, this is really just uncomfortable, uh, that stuff. It was, it was really weird how, like, uh, Child Protective Services will be here tomorrow at some point. Uh, you guys go ahead and go home. And, meanwhile, <laughs> the, the mom who discovered the weird geometric signs on Sammy – We'll get him home uh, 12 hours after Jesse has been taken home from the hospital yeah. and had perfect geometric marks on him. We're <laughs> going to drop both these kids off, and l- hopefully Child Protective Services will show up sometime tomorrow. We'll see you. Well, Although they're exonerated, too, because it's the same day, and the parents weren't there for both of them. It's and like, then one of them goes missing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and by the way, Child Protective Services, they have to fly her in on an airplane to the island, of course. <laughs> I also love uh, what's the National Wildlife Services? Who's that? (laughs) And the dude on the trampoline. Oh God, I love that so much. Trampoline and the. Oh yeah, yeah, with the dead bird bouncing around. Ratner. I like that he had the last name Ratner. Kelly Wan, did you enjoy that? Yes. (laughs) Uh, There's a spinoff movie. uh, I will say, as far as like cast members who really couldn't be bothered to muster any energy, why on earth was J.K. Simmons so low key? Because he was supposed to be depressed and like, oh, you're fucked. That was weird. <laughs> just, if you're going to cast J.K. Simmons, who's, I mean, just have him be like that quiet and low-key and depressed, that was just odd. What was up with that? Well, 
Every actor likes to show that he can do every range, and that's like the <laughs> thing he's ever done. That, that was his lowest level of. Or he just read the script and went, "This scene is fucking flying off the page. It's burning me. I gotta play this role. It's so good." When he says, "Yeah, this one's a picture," I'm just confused by his scissors. His scissors. They're like these kitchen shears that he's using to clip the newspaper clipping is like garden like these huge garden shears that he's like clip, clip. dingus is so bored at that point that he's looking at the household appliances that's right <laughs> oh you got a thing in your ear i got a thing in my ear neither case did it matter you know it is funny too maybe it's partly that i enjoy these uh like, I love UFO wackos. Me too. I love that kind of stuff. And, and I, I really thought it was funny, that bit where J.K. Simmons dismisses the insectoids and reptilians. Because those are that's an actual thing. <laughs> like in, in ufology, which is also an actual thing, there's this division between reptilians and greys. Like, the, these theories about people arguing about which ones are really visiting us and which ones are abducting people. That's a thing. And I love the fact that... Uh, you know, some wackos will dismiss other wackos things. It's like, you know what? It's that movie that I've told you guys about before called um, Not Just Another Bigfoot Movie. And it's about it's about these Bigfoot, these cryptozoologists who study Bigfoot. And one of the really amazing things – it's a documentary. It's not a, it's not a movie. Uh, one of the really surprising things is how over the course of the movie – these competing camps of Bigfoot experts are at odds with each other, and there are political differences between them, and there's bad blood. Uh, I just find that hilarious. Um, so I, I really enjoyed J.K. Simmons dismissing reptilians. Uh, do you guys know, by the way, that there is part of this uh, ufology, there's this idea that Steven Spielberg was working for the government when he oh, made, Lord. when he made Dingus, this could be a real thing. Don't dismiss this, Dingus. You can't prove a negative. So, so here's here's this idea that he's <laughs> our J.K. Simmons. <laughs> that oh, Steven Spielberg made Close Encounters and E.T. on behalf of the government because he wanted to pave public perception. He wanted to pave the way for public acceptance of the reality of aliens. Except that Close Encounters started as a horror movie, and then. And then everything's okay by, by the end, you see. It's to soothe the population, Kelly Wand, so that when the government finally announces, yeah, there's aliens, we've been hanging out with them or whatever, the, the public won't panic. What was That's War of the Worlds then? JK. That, that, exactly. They had years of damage, uh, and now here's Scott Stewart messing it up for everyone again. What do you think of that? It's the sharks, not the aliens. There were a lot of references in this movie to sharks, lizards, and robots. Why was that in there? To make us feel like the budget was more. <laughs> Come on, they couldn't have. Uh, they had to pay for those uh, the what? bright light shining through the wood. By the way, another another rip uh, off. There's a, a really cool alien invasion, uh, like creepy alien movie called uh, Encounter at Raven's Gate. Kelly Wan, do you know that movie? No, I like what I'm hearing. Like uh, Kelly Wan, it's it's a classic '80s Australian horror movie. Uh. That I don't think was ever released in the U.S. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. They gave us like Mungo, so they know what they're doing. Australians have known what they're doing for a long time. So there's a really cool alien invasion horror movie called Encounter at Ravens. That's Gate. such an Australian title, like Peter Hanging Rock. Like they work exactly. in photography. 
Uh, and the shot of Josh Hamilton holding up the shotgun w- towards the door with the light coming through it, straight out of Encounter at Raven's Gate. I mean, one of the best things you can say about this <laughs> guy. It never happened before that. Is he? Yeah, he knows yeah. his. Uh, his <laughs> he knows his his subject material. Can, uh, can I just say it say never it's... happened before that, Dingus? Uh, that that I Everyone's... feel that, uh, the light streaming through some sort of weird crack in the. Richard Dreyfus didn't have a shotgun. He had a flashlight. But no, no. So there's a scene where an old couple is attacked and encounter at Raven's Gate, and it's the same thing. He's holding a shotgun towards the door while the light starts bleeding through the door and the door is splintering apart. And this is like 1982, I think. Uh, I, I think that's a straight riff, too. I think it's Scott Stewart, just like he's ripping off Close Encounters with the screws or Poltergeist with the, the Tower of Chairs. I think that's a direct nod to encounter at Raven's Gate. It's uh, just my thought. That's a good point, actually. I can't speak to that. I, I do. I do really like the the um, the relationship of the two brothers in this, because usually the older brother is a total dick, and in this case, Jesse is really, really sweet to Sam. So, what, you guys maybe help me with this. What was the point of the reveal that the aliens wanted? The wrong dude. It's not a reveal at all. It's a twist that means nothing to anyone, including the family. Because okay, I thought so. The point was the aliens wanted the older kid all along. Yeah. So why they? So the rest was all bait to fuck with. Oh, the, they had they had the the idea is which is, it's supposed to be revealed because uh, J.K. Simmons says whichever one they've contacted first, and right. it's supposed oh. to be because oh wait a minute, he they actually contacted Jesse first. You just remembered all of a sudden. Wait, but then okay. Well, it seemed to me then that the point of the ending, based on what J.K. Simmons was saying, is that sometimes you can substitute, you know, somebody can substitute him or herself for the one the aliens want. So I thought the point was that the older kid basically sacrificed himself to save his younger brother. Was that not in there? Did I just imagine that? No, no. The the whole idea is that whoever they contacted first is the one, and everybody assumed it was Sammy that they contacted first, because Sammy's talking about Sandman, and Sammy's doing catatonic thing first, but then when she finds the drawings, it turns out oh, they've been laying they the... They all draw the exact same thing, exact same scale, every time. So the aliens got what they wanted, and very much like the movie Skyfall, the good guys did not prevent the alien scheme, is that correct? I, I just don't understand why it takes the aliens so freaking long to get this kid. Skyfall, what? they beat the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Skyfall, uh, James Bond failed, and here Josh Hamilton failed. By the way, Josh Hamilton got shot. It wasn't his fault. Money Josh Hamilton totally needs to take um, car abuse lessons from William H Macy. I feel. And the guy in Warm Bodies. But how does he abuse a car? Remember, he can't drive the Porsche because this Australian chick. They go on the other side of the road or something. It's a BMW. Yeah, Lamborghini. <laughs> anyway, how come the aliens made him? Imagine his dad shooting his mom and himself. Like, all right, this will... Okay, Kelly Wanda, I have an answer to that. Uh, as J.K. Simmons explained, the aliens, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, like, tap into your deepest fears. Didn't that's he say his like that? And that's why he saw, that's why he did that little shining moment where he sees the two people, like the, the other kids watching the porno in that, that weird Excuse moment. Me. There's fucking aliens in the house that have been <laughs> fucking with you, and you have uh, your biggest fear would be aliens at that point. 
<laughs> Dad shoots his, his mom. Like, I, that'll probably happen by the weekend. But first, first, fucking ship on the patio. Hey, Kelly, have you ever been kissed before? Mm. Oh, was that rhetorical? <laughs> Kelly One, have you seen The Forgotten, the Julianne Moore thing? Yeah, but I haven't been kissed. But that Forgotten thing, I remember that had that fucking bullshit happy ending and being like annoyed about that. Like, Ah, we worked it out. It was a Deus Ex Machina. I do like that one part where the chick. No, I disagree. By the way, it's not a Deus Ex Machina. In I, I think the ending of the Forgotten is pretty pat. Uh, I, yeah. I like how, yeah, I, I like how they twist it. How uh, Linus Roach, how, how she, he basically screws up the experiment. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I really like the ending of that. I think they earn their happy ending in the Forgotten. So I was like, it's better it's than uh, what was this movie called? Dark Skies. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't make any sense there that time. Anyway, All right. Yes, Kelly Wand. Sky's full of light. It's not dark. But anyway, uh, what? What? Uh, it's the worst alien abduction movie. Is the fourth kind because it's really boring. And oh nothing. God, it's boring, and they don't acknowledge the actors. And yeah, Fire in the Sky is pretty good. I like that. Fire in the Sky rules, and like the best scene is the one that the screenwriter apologized for completely making up and like cut. Like all the all the people, like the real life people. Went, Wait, I didn't have my anus probed. Like, yeah, <laughs> maybe have that. And, like you see what those aliens look like in it. It's this really harrowing. Remember that part of Fire in the Sky that's set on the ship? No, I know it's great. I mean, Fire in the Sky is a is a best case example of this kind of movie. Yeah, absolutely. Billy Jones in that movie. Or was I just really baked? DB Sweeney is in it. He's. That's what I think I meant. Peter Berg isn't Peter Berg even in it? Uh, I know he and Tommy Lee Jones are in most movies. <laughs> Shut up, mind. Uh, all right, well, Dingus, let's do a three by three. What do you have for it? What do you have to say for yourself, Dingus? Nothing. I could sing it. Oh, wait, is it? Uh, I might. I might have broken the topic. Big smoke. No goods. I'm glad we're there already. Spark, spark. All right, so uh, this these are your three favorite scenes with previously recorded songs. So uh, not a song that was written for the movie specifically, uh, but a song that was previously recorded but used in the scene and why you like it in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Watt, how do you feel about this topic? What is your number? I didn't like it, but I thought you would like it. I'm surprised that you're. You know what? I, it's fine. But all I could do with this is here's song. Here's songs I like, and here's that's, here's that's a movie they're in. As long as Josh Hartnett is is involved, I'm happy. Uh, nobody wants to hear about songs I like though. That's just oh. But, hey, wait. You know what? Many, I want to make a bet with Tom. How many? Yes. Uh, oh no, never mind. I was well, going to say Tupac, but that was written for the movie, I guess. What about Tupac? What? I was going to predict that Dingus's, at least two of them are from Hudson Hawk, but then I remember oh, oh. <laughs> qualifier that it has to have been a pre-recorded. I think all those those songs were live, and the actual jewelry heists were live too. Like Les Miserables. Yeah. Kelly Wand, how did you break this uh, three by three, and what's your number three pick? Oh, uh, I didn't break it yet, but in number three, I chose <laughs> the movie 
to die for with Nicole Kidman and she plays all by myself that song at the funeral to show that she misses Matt Dillon. I thought that was a song that makes that's sweet. Dingus, is that qualified? Does, has Kelly Wan broken the topic yet? Uh, he he chose a movie and he chose a song and he wins. But he hasn't said why he likes it though. No, he hasn't. Uh, I remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the half the battle, isn't it? Guys, so, so what I said. Never mind. To die for, uh, all by myself. Who sings that song, Kelly Wand? Blondie. Craftwork. <laughs> I get this too mixed up. I can't remember. I thought it was her. All right, Kidman on the Ghetto Blaster. Men at work. The fix. Close. I don't know. Yeah. Spark. Sparks. Sticks. Striper. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, all right. So, Kelly Wand, uh, you got the song, you got the actor, you got the movie. We don't know the artist. Um, Kelly Wand, can you hum some of the song for us? Mm-hmm. Very good, Kelly Wand. Uh, all right. So, uh, that's Kelly yeah. Wand's number three pick. Uh, all right. So, here's what I did. I don't know what to do with this. I just uh, picked three examples. So, I, I could like talk forever about, hey, I like this song. I like that it's in this scene. It makes me like the scene because I like the song already. Uh, so what I did was I picked a, a band that I didn't know until I saw them in a movie. And I'm going to pick three examples of this band's songs in movies that I really like. Um, so uh, these are just Pixies songs in movies. So here you go. I just wait, sort a of minute, randomly wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes, yes, a, band you did, a band you did not know? Is that what you said? Correct. Until I saw them in a movie. Okay. Yeah. And what was the name of the band again? The band is called the Pixies. So these are all just Pixies songs that are in movies. Oh, um, so you've never heard of the Pixies? Awesome. Until I saw Fight Club. Oops, that's I what? Myself. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I saw Fight Club. That's I was like, I like that song at the end. Who is that? And I looked it up, and I was like, Who are these Pixies guys? Uh, yeah, I was never into the Pixies. I didn't know anything about them. You didn't them. know the Pixies until Fight Club? Until Fight Club. That's a huge Correct. reveal. I love this. Thank yeah. you. So uh, so these are Pixies songs, and Fight Club will be one of them. It's a spoiler. Uh, these are Pixies songs. Because, by the way, the Pixies, they will whore out their music to anyone and their uncle. You know, you can get Pixies songs in a lot of different movies. They're more. It's not like Led Zeppelin, where you're almost never going to hear a Zeppelin song in a movie. Uh, the Pixies, boy, you can use it in, in TV, in movies. So here are three Pixies songs in movies. Uh, but I'm, so, I'm so excited that you did this, because I didn't know. I thought you were a Pixies fan from way back. No, I, I didn't realize that, that it started with Fight Club, and then when you mentioned Fight Club and Pixies, I immediately – the song just starts playing in my head like you pressed play. Right. And I thought Pixies was – I thought you were like, ah, oh, I'm Pixies. I'm going to uh, Coachella to see Pixies because I love them so much. <laughs> but I didn't know that Pixies started with you with Fight Club. This is – oh, this is great. Well, this is kind of a shame. I think I imagine you're kind of the same way, but a lot of the music that I end up liking, I, I learn about from a movie. Well, yeah, and that happened. You know, actually, happened. It was the only thing I really liked about Dark Skies is that I found a new group and a, and a song I liked. See, so you like see what Dark Skies has done for your life, Dingus? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I didn't know who Elliot Smith was before. Probably a song that's going to be on your list. Oh, uh, I so mad at you right now. 
what? Yeah, nobody knows what we're talking about yet. Because um, I'd never say, and I'm not talking about Goodwill Hunting even, because I, I didn't, I, I've never even seen that movie. So, so anyway, here's what I did: just Pixie songs. <laughs> You're such a jerk. You're oh, Tom Chick, my Tom Chick. <laughs> uh, how dare you? How dare you? So, okay, these are three very different uses of Pixie songs. Uh, in this is forty. Um, which I don't necessarily recommend. It's it's a little overlong, but Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann are just so freaking irresistible. There's a great scene where they're driving in their SUV, and they're, the scene is illustrating their differing tastes in music. And it begins with Paul Rudd singing Debaser, which I uh, that's not my favorite Pixie song. It's just kind of loud and raucous, whatever. And Paul Rudd is just so enthusiastically singing along with it, being a 40-year-old out-of-touch dude who's really still into the Pixies. Um, and Leslie Mann turns it off and puts on uh, Aha, uh, the song Take On Take Me On Take On Me <laughs> Take On Me, to, to, as an example of like music that she likes. Uh, so it's this great illustration of this married couple. They have a lot of differences. Paul Rudd is still really into the raucous Pixies songs, and just watching him sing that song and uh, watching Leslie Mann uh, turn it off and put on her own song is just really adorable. So there you go. My number three is uh, This Is 40. Dingus, what do you have for your number three pick for your favorite use of a song in a movie? Mm. Uh, here's, here's a quote from my... Uh, actually, it's a little bit of dialogue from my number three. Ready? Fucking Quintana. That creep can roll, man. Yeah, but he's a pervert, dude. That's lyrics? <laughs> it's lyrics, yeah. It's lyrics That's from my lyrics. favorite movie. Kelly stammered. Um, Tom, you're the music apologist. Quintana? I feel like I should know what Quintana is from. Okay, let's just run down the usual suspects. Is there someone named Quintana in Rushmore, Midnight Run, or The Untouchables? All right, here's 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 another quote from that movie. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Oh, oh. So, who is Quintana in that movie? It's, it's his name is Jesus Quintana. Are you sure? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, so I love. Um, I'm not a big fan of the Eagles, but I love the Gypsy Kings oh. <laughs> uh, version of Hotel California, Digus, and I, I love what I thought you were going to do the Kenny Rogers song. <laughs> No. It's not even Kenny Rogers. It's the band that he was with. What are they called? Kenny Rogers and the blah, blah, blahs. Roasters. No, and the, the Cowards of the County. No, it's the song just uh, stopped in to see what condition my condition was in. That song. That's what I thought you were going to oh, do. Oh, that's such a creepy song. Good the six-pack. No, no this is uh, this is the Gypsy Kings cover of Hotel California. And I, I freaking love this version of it. It's uh, So anyway, um, uh, the song is because I... I stipulated that this has to be a song that was previously recorded. It can't be a song that was recorded or written for the movie. It has to have been previously recorded. So, of course, Hotel California was recorded in 1977, but the Gypsy Kings did a cover of it in 1988, and um, Big Lebowski, of course, is 1998. And I just love I, – I don't really I, – I, don't care so much for the the song Hotel California, but I love this Gypsy Kings version of it, and uh, and I love the fact that it's used at this particular moment when when Jesus Quintana is you know licking his bowling ball and and bowling a strike and they're talking about him. I I just love that moment because Big Lebowski didn't do a whole lot for me the first time I saw it, but 
you know, in subsequent subsequent viewings, I've come to love it. And this this moment and this particular version of Hotel California, I freaking love this, and I love the way it's used in this. So it's Gypsy Kings, Hotel California. There you go. Kelly Wan, did you hear Dingus just say he doesn't care for the song Hotel California? And they didn't like the movie until he heard it, the song. Well, I, I, don't, I just don't understand what kind of man of a certain age is not into the Eagles Hotel California. What's up with That's that? It. Lebowski doesn't like the Eagles. He hates the Eagles, doesn't he? Yeah, That's but I do, I do too, but everybody loves Hotel California. I don't want to uh, listen to song. How about that? Uh, what's that? Don, oh, Don Henley. How do you feel about uh, Don Henley's solo career, Dingus? <laughs> yeah. I prefer Glenn Fry. I, I'm a big Glenn Fry flan. flan. <laughs> <laughs> See, every Freudian slip means something, and Freudian slip. <laughs> so, plan some sick reference to this. Uh, all right, well, Kelly Wan, then what is your number two choice of a favorite song in a movie? This is my only good one. I'll do a quote from it. <clears throat> I've Got You, Babe. From, um... What's the okay. song? From, uh... Wait, yeah, that's the song. From the movie Groundhog's Day, because it was uh, the keep going. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't run out of steam yet, Kelly. Wan. stay with us. Stay with don't us. Let, don't let them interrupt you. Other lyrics, but then I couldn't, and then I went, "Oh yeah," because he only hears that one part of the song. So I, and it was making me think that maybe you have to hear the whole song for it to be on the list instead of just one refrain. <laughs> All right, uh, Dingus, is that as as Kelly Wan sufficiently fulfilled his duty for choosing a number two pick for favorite song? I feel I overexplained it. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about, and I've never seen the movie I've Got You, Babe. <laughs> Neither is Shadow. Yeah, the podcast producer Shadow Cat agrees. Uh, all right, Kelly Wanda, nice to hear. I need to see Groundhog Day again. I keep feeling like I uh, uh, the. Library of Congress said it was aesthetically significant, just like Fargo. <laughs> Groundhog Day? Yeah. It's going to be in the time capsule that the aliens steal. Well, you know what I watched this week instead of Groundhog Day, Kelly Wand? What? Langoliers, it- the, the TV movie. Oh. What do you think of that? <laughs> Why'd you, the whole thing, or is this the part where the runway gets eaten up? I had no idea it was a three-hour made-for-TV movie when I started watching it. So, but yeah, I, I watched the whole three-hour thing, and yeah, it's, so it's it the kind of thing where the way they get out of it, you go, "Wait, that was, seems pretty lucky that you have a." a Kelly, the whole thing is trash. You guys with your Stephen King, I just don't understand what the deal is. Dingus has since told me that that Langoliers is considered minor King. Yes. So. Maybe that's what's going on there. So you watch the TV version. <laughs> Is there any other version of Langoliers? I wanted to watch <laughs> You don't. You don't go read Night Shift, but you'll watch Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> a good writer? What's <laughs> this shit? Why do they give him gas? It yeah. takes less time to watch the movie, Kelly Wan, than read the book. Ugh. Stephen King, by the way, wrote the screenplay for the made-for-TV Langoliers, so I do feel justified in... The screenplay for the Shining TV one with Rebecca De Mornay. Oh, and Gary Cole, right? Isn't he in that? Is it Gary Cole? The guy from Wings. I guess they had a fight, too. The guy from Tony Shalhoub? No. uh, (laughs) What? (laughs) He's not on Wings. Tony Shalhoub is, too, on Wings, isn't he? 
Is he? I thought that he's, was. Isn't he the, like, the Christopher Lloyd role? Dingus. Yes. Who's yes, he is. All right, all right. Well, I haven't really watched Wings, but it's like Stephen Weber and Rebecca Bourne. And afterwards, she's all, oh, we shook hands at the end. She's kind of like, huh. Hit me a little hard with the mallet there at the end. Fucking guy. All right, I guess I'll watch that then for uh, my next Stephen King foray. Uh, all right, where were we? Let's do, okay, so my number two Pixie song in a movie uh, is, um, the song is Hey by the Pixies. Um, and it's it's the the movie actually which I think is is it pretty safe? No, no. Is it, <laughs> what? Uh, no. In Zach and Mary make a porno. Um, there's a scene near the end of the movie where they've had sex. It's about two two friends who make a porno movie and they have sex in the porno movie. It's uh, Elizabeth Berkeley Banks, Elizabeth Banks, and Seth Rogen, and they have sex to make the porno movie. And they're close friends. And they both realize that, you know what, hey, we're kind of in love with each other. But there's a scene near the end of the movie where he goes off to sleep with another woman at a party. And as he and the other woman are walking into another room, Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks make eye contact. And it goes into slow motion, and the Pixie song comes up. And it, it's presumably been playing at a party. Uh, and they realize at that moment, both of them realizes they could stop this right now. And neither of them does anything. And it's this great moment about missed opportunities uh, and about how sex is never just sex. It's more complicated than that, especially at a, after a certain point in a relationship. Um, and that Pixie song playing over it just seals the deal for me. Uh, I love how Kevin Smith just gets the song and just does the perfect amount of slow-mo without being silly. I like Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks in this movie. Um, so there's my number two pick. Sex seems more complicated early, and then later it's just like peeing. So I think it's, it's the opposite. <laughs> That's my Valentine's set. <laughs> very sweet sentiment, Kelly Wan. <laughs> Yellow instead of pink. Anyway, uh, that's right. good. Very moving. Isn't Zack and Mary make a porno? Is that Kevin Smith's best movie? Is there one that's better? Am I wrong? Yeah, because he didn't write it. Or did he? Are you serious? Oh. I think that's the only one I like of his. I am not a fan great. either, but I did not know he did not write it. Dingus, can you, you're our Kevin Smith expert. Can you back us up on that? Or I'm probably thinking a cop out. I get those two mixed up. <laughs> I'm uh, only... He did write it. He did write it, by the way. I'm double-checking. He, he wrote and directed uh, Zach and Mary. Of course he did, yeah. There's a lot of improv in it and a lot of music videos. There's a lot of great music. By the way, when I watched it, I mean, uh, Deborah Harry, there's a great uh, Blondie song in there, too, uh, right after she's had sex with him. I, uh, yeah. Uh, uh. You love Elizabeth Banks, Kelly Wan, don't I you? I do, but I don't need to see the whole movie. Uh, all right, Dingus, what is your number two pick for... for... I kind of miss her. I feel like I haven't seen her in a while since that Russell Crowe. Maybe, maybe you should see Pitch Perfect already, Kelly Wand. She's in that? She's the teacher? I'm not going to tell no. you. You know what? You see it, and then we'll talk, Kelly Wand. Dingus's sound made me want to see it. <laughs> all right, Dingus, what is your number two pick for a song in a movie? Give us a line. All right, here's a line from it. The old man's still an artist with a Thompson. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, it's probably like Road to Perdition or uh, Lawless. Lawless. Wait, <laughs> that's the Shalabouf one. <laughs> I know he loved it. I know he loved the music. It's all he talked about. Uh, King Kong? Oh, no, it's got to be Goodfellas. Or not Goodfellas. Uh, sorry, oh. what's the one? Uh, Miller's Crossing. Good, Goodfellas and Miller's Crossing. Oh, it's Goodfellas. Wait, what's the one? Miller's Crossing. 
Tom plays video games, but his first image when the word Thompson was mentioned was De Niro in the 70s. Of course, it's Miller's Crossing. So what would the song be? Danny Boy? Very good. Danny Boy. Uh, So uh, the song is Danny Boy, originally recorded in 1915. Uh, The version here is sung by Frank Patterson. And um, good Lord, what a great... This is such a great moment where Leo. Because I don't think I, I don't know uh, Danny Boy. Can you sing some of it for me to remind me what it goes like? <laughs> no, I don't know how the song goes. I just remember the moment where he's shooting things. <laughs> Kelly, what we almost got Dingus to sing on this podcast. Danny so, uh, he shoots things in the songs. <laughs> so one of the great one of the great things about this uh, topic, if you will. Is the the idea of the movie of the the song starting in a practical aspect, so that you know a character is playing it on a phonograph, for instance, and then it swells into the soundtrack. But they sort of screw with this a little bit in this particular scene because Leo is listening to his phonograph playing downstairs, and he's upstairs in his bedroom, and it's playing on the phonograph in a practical way as in in the scene so he's listening to this particular song and so he's sitting there up on his bed reading the paper smoking a cigar listening to this song danny boy playing and um and at some point as he's smoking a cigar he notices huh there's a different smoke coming up through the floorboards than the smoke from a cigar and you know, the the dudes come in and they shoot up the floorboards and you lose the song for a moment. And then eventually Leo Albert Finney winds up out on the street and Danny Boy is still playing, but it swells into the soundtrack instead of just on the phonograph, which by now has been burned up because his house is burned up. And so I just love this idea of how a song starts practical in a scene because somebody's playing it on a on a on a record player and then it just moves over onto the soundtrack when it could not have been in the scene anymore. And I like how the Cohen's mess around with that. And isn't the idea that Dingus, and I love this as well, uh, that at, at a certain point the, the music is transported into the character's head and it becomes part of Albert Finney's state of mind and this kind of uh, just almost blissed out uh, – sense that he's got during the the gunfight like like this is now his interior monologue in a way this is what he's hearing inside of his head yeah i love when movies play with that yeah that's nice kelly one is that how the scene works in to die for that you were talking about earlier uh i don't see movies with apostrophes in the title (laughs) and irish people (laughs) how do you feel about movies with commas in the title kelly ah yeah because they're on the ground they're ground level (laughs) You don't They're like anchored. your punctuation up high. You no. need your punctuation down low. It's okay. unnatural. It's non-Euclidean. <laughs> like Cthulhu. Hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Dig are there are there many three by threes where Miller's Crossing wouldn't be eligible? No. I, I think you're right. <laughs> Kelly what is your number one pick for a favorite song in a motion picture? Uh all right, it's one of these two. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Yes, it is one of these two. <laughs> we expect you to pick the one that it is and not tell us the other until runners up. Oh, all right. 
All right. Then my number one is the 2001 theme from the movie 2001. Does that count? Because it wasn't only really- if you can only if you can say the name of the the symphonic movement. What do you even call that? Thus spake Zarathustra. Oh, you came so close. You know what? The the judges will accept that. Very good. And Kaiwan, who's, who's the composer? Who? Straussbach. The nineteen hundreds. I mean nineteen seventy. Does that count as a song? Because if I'm not mistaken, isn't there later in the like the weird trippy monolith stuff? Uh, isn't there actual vocal? Like, <laughs> like there's choir. That weird choir. That's yeah, exactly. Like, don't they do that stuff? So doesn't it therefore qualify as a song? I'm, I'm checking with Dingus. It does if Kelly Wan can sing it. Kelly Wan, you just Kelly Wan, you, you need to put some lyrics in there, Kelly. Go ahead. That's how the humans do it. The alien. It's beyond our comprehension to do it the way the movie does. Because I'm just an ape banging bones around and shit. But it's also a cool song, I thought, like, if we land on someone else's planet, we play that when we land. No, so, we would freak them out. That's that's terrible. That would be like playing yeah, Wagner well, over the helicopter. Right. Oh, is that what we should play instead? <laughs> that's your vote. Kelly, Kelly did, when, a, when a bong appears in a really terrible movie like Dark Skies, do you feel better <laughs> or worse? See, they wanted the stoner, the alien sea, which the best brain is. And here's what happens with me. When that happened, Dingus, I was immediately like, oh, no, our rating, tut, 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 bad news. I do not, I'm not comfortable with this for 14-year-old kids. Give this movie an R rating. If Alec Baldwin and Meryl Streep smoke a joint and make their movie R rated, the kids can't whip out a bong in, in a PG-13 movie. I'm, I'm disagreeing. Wait, what? What's the first one? What's the, the movie where uh, Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin, I think it's called something like, this is complicated, or it's kind of complicated, or what's that? Oh, movie? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a movie way where they, too much for us to handle. <laughs> but it's a movie. It was like a kind of a romantic comedy. I think Steve Martin was even in it where they they, they get stoned. And there was some controversy about the MPAA giving it an R rating because of the the scene where they get stoned. But in this, they didn't care because they went, oh, that's stupid aliens. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, they didn't even watch it. They're like, oh, yeah, alien abduction. Just give it a PG-13. No Because you know what? I kind of like – here we go back to Dark Skies. But I kind of like this idea about him getting like stoned and hanging out with the other kids and his confusion about sexuality. And that stuff was kind of cute. And I – you know, I give go ahead and give it an R rating and go – Maybe the aliens have the best weed. Maybe. The more you know. Dead silence. All right. So uh, Kelly Wand picked uh, symphonic music from 2001 as his best song. It's a movie. <laughs> Very good, Kelly Wand. That's better than you guys probably expected. Uh, all right, well, my number one pick, of course, it's How I Discovered the Pixies. Uh, I, everybody loves Fight Club. I'm no exception. And when it's Fight Club is over, uh, it begins actually, it's not just over the credits. The Pixie song kicks in uh, with Edward Norton's great uh, line to Helena Bonham Carter. You've met me at a very strange time in my life. Uh, and the Pixie song is already playing by that point. And then with this grand apocalyptic collapse of the financial institution and presumably civilization, they sit there and watch it. And Where Is My Mind plays uh, over the credits and over that scene. Uh, a couple things I love about this. I just love that – I love guitars that sound kind of like a siren. 
And that guitar in Where's My Mind has this very siren-y quality to it. Uh, it's probably simple to play, but for whatever reason, that just that resonates with some weird place with me when a, when a guitar does something like that. So I love that. Uh, it's certainly a great song, and I love how it's kind of a little bit of a nonsensical lyrics, uh, but it certainly applies to Fight Club, the point of Fight Club. Um, you know, a guy's in his imaginary friend, whereas his mind, you can make that connection. Uh, but I think what I most love about it is no matter how many times I watch that scene, it can't get played out for me. Just the impact of the finale of Fight Club, thanks in part to David Fincher, to Edward Norton, to Helena Bottom Carter, to what Brad Pitt has been doing, and in no small amount, thanks to the Pixies, for all of that coming together at the finale of Fight Club. It's, it just knocks my socks off every time. Uh, and there's really no Pixie song like Where Is My Mind. Uh, a lot of Pixie song is kind of like punky and loud, and like I mentioned before with Debaser, is raucous. Uh, Where Is My Mind has this unique hypnotic quality that I, I can't think of another Pixie song like it. Um, huh. So that would be my favorite song in a movie. There you go. Dingus, what do you have to top that? And maybe you can give us a line from it. Well, well, I'm, I'm, there's no way I can top that. Uh, uh, I just want to say that this, that, that's why, and we had a, a real, de- uh, I don't know, a real debate about this or a real disagreement about this. This is why, uh, the use of that song and Sucker Punch pissed me off so much. Um, because I thought it was, it was used, it was used so well at that particular moment and perfectly. I mean, that's perfect. That, I, I didn't even remember this. Uh, I said it, I said, I like that you said this task for yourself of, of using Pixie songs. Cause I said, uh, a, a sort of a negative task for myself. I'm not going to use anything from a Wes Anderson movie because that's, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I just remember, I love the way, I love, God, I love that that song so much. That's the first time I remember being exposed to the Pixies. And uh, and I just love the way that sounds. And I was so annoyed with the way it was used in Sucker Punch. And, and just annoyed with what they were trying to do as a shortcut. And I railed against it. And you were, you were kind of like, yeah, they can use whatever they want. But I, I was just so annoyed with that, and I love the way it's used in Fight Club so much. So uh, good on you. Well, I, I think we've talked about this before. Do you know it's also a cover of it is used in um, – is Observe and Report, the Seth Rogen one that Jody Hill yeah. did? Yeah. yeah. It's the non-Seth Rogen. And you know how it's used in that? Dingus, do you remember Where Is My Mind in Observe and Report? No, I don't know. So it's a cover of Where Is My Mind, and it's used as they're apprehending the streaker. Uh, who's been plaguing, who's been mentioned throughout the movie. And there's just a dude running naked with his his dong wobbling around insanely in slow motion uh, to where is my Show mind. Show that girl Jennifer. She was all in my junk. <laughs> that's, that's, one of, that's a great quote from Dark Skies, Dingus. You can't get that movie out of your mind, can you? <laughs> Which alien was that? <laughs> is Observant Report good? Because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's it's uh, it's no foot fist way, uh, but it's also is that yeah. the Danny McBride movie about wrestling? Uh, it's not about wrestling. It's about uh, karate. 
Um, Same thing. Asian <laughs> wrestling. But yes, that's the Danny McBride movie uh, about... Side of the hand. Not... Uh, and Observe and Report, one of the fascinating things about Observe and Report is realizing that most likely the Seth Rogen part was supposed to be played by Danny McBride. And watching Seth Rogen kind of struggle with that Try and, and do put it. his own twist on it. Uh, I wish J.K. One... Simmons' role in Dark Sky has been played by Danny McBride. I would have liked that. But I tell you one thing, Kelly Wand, about Observe and Report. It is way better than uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop. Someone was telling me Paul Blart, they weren't trying to sell it, me on it, but they made it sound good, kind of the way you do with most movies. He's all, you know, it's like Die Hard, but it's a mall. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I've actually never seen it, but now that makes me want to see it. Yeah, right? All He's, right, next week on the podcast, we'll be seeing court. Paul Blart Mall Cop. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll see both of them. We'll compare the Mall Cop craze of 2009 was it sounds about right yeah five years ago jesus christ Fucking old. all right so dingus understanding then that your number one is not uh needle in the hay from uh royal tenenbaums i don't know what it could possibly be what have you done seaman beaumont's a poem not a <laughs> <laughs> what have you done for for a number one dingus all right here's a, here's a Here's a line. Actually, here's a lyric from the song. Mm. Not a line. When I want to run away, I drive off in my car. Uh, I'm a musical ignoramus, Tom. <laughs> is my guess. I love, my I love that song. I'm a musical ignoramus. Yeah. It was way better before Sarah. <laughs> when I want to drive away, I get it. It's got to be uh, Midnight Run. When I want to run away, I drive off in my car. Here in my car, where I blah, 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 blah. Is it that song? In uh, cars. Uh, right? Is that it, Dingus? Do we have it? What are you is it doing? Last that song. Year. That song about cars. By, it's like, it sounds like a Devo song, but it's someone else. Who's that? Gary Bonds or whatever? Is that the song you're saying? But it's not the band, The Cars. It's about cars. I, I guess, Dingus, what I'm trying to get at is that you stumped us, unless it's that Gary Bond song about here in my car, I feel safest of all, I blah, blah, oh. blah, 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 blah. I don't know how it goes. I can't sing it. Wait, I forget what Dingus said now. It seems like forever ago. He did a lyric that sounded kind of like something you would hear in that Gary Bond song, assuming I've got it right, about cars. That's my guess. I'm going to go drive off in my car. Baby, when I want to run away, I drive off in my car. Black Stallion. All right, it's from a, a song called "In Your Eyes." Oh, good lord! He's doing uh, that thing where, where. Uh, Let's see what I hear. I can't it's from it. "Say Anything, You Jerks." All right. Oh, oh really? <laughs> That's <your idea. laughs> of course. I'm doing what he did in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm standing here in my office. Yeah. All right. So, in your eyes, is used twice in uh, "Say Anything," and uh, uh, this is just great um, because first it's used when uh, Lloyd Dobler and Diane are uh, making. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Lloyd Dobler and Diane. Yeah. That's the dude's name in "Say Anything." Lloyd Dobler. He said it. He whisked through it and threw in Diane as an extra point. I do not believe that that's the guy's name in that movie is Lloyd Dobler. He was showing Lloyd, Lloyd all Nolan Void. Yes, it's Lloyd Dobler. Come on. Stop it. Dobler effect, Tom. You've heard of it. 
Is it supposed to be like an ironic name? Like it's supposed to be funny? That's what Lloyd's a very serious name. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I, I just did not realize that was a dude's name in a movie. It sounded like a joke. Lloyd and doesn't get last name. It sounds like a Seaman Beaumont reference kind of thing, like Dingus did. Lloyd Let's Dobler. See. All right, I'm sorry, Dingus. I cut you off. So Lloyd Dobler and Diane. What's Diane's last name, by the way? Court. Diane, Diane Court. Court. Diane Court. I kind of believe. I, I don't even Lloyd know. Was. I don't. I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure her name is Diane Court. Lloyd Dobler and Diane Court. <laughs> Why didn't you say Court initially? Because <laughs> I didn't remember, jerk. Oh. All right, I'm sorry. That, that stopped yeah, me in my yeah. tracks. So, so Dingus, explain. Yeah, I don't care about characters. All right, all right. I just it was. I, I like it I, when you remember names like Seaman Beaumont. Kelly Wand, after after Seaman, let's Seaman. Stop saying Seaman. Stop sperm Beaumont. Seaman Beaumont. Uh, Kelly Wand, oh. after Dingus and I saw uh, Dark Skies, he quizzed me on the names of the two kids in the movie, and I I, I got one of them, but he remembered both of them. So Kelly Wand, I'm going to quiz you now. This is a quiz. From me to you, by way of Dingus, and then we'll uh, hear about say anything. Kelly, Wan, what are the names of the two kids in Dark Skies? Sammy and Jesse. What the, now, what why are, would what you parents' names? Wait, why uh, would he know that? Sorry. Why would he know their kids? At, why do you know that, Kelly Wand? Because uh, I remember thinking it, it was weird that they both had the same ending name. No, because they just say it constantly in the movie. Sammy, Jesse, uh, aliens. <laughs> if I may paraphrase Wendy. <laughs> Who didn't see it? But yeah, all they say is the fucking names. I I'll bet Dingus doesn't know the dad's name. Daniel. I bet you. Damn it. Daniel, what's the mom's name? Uh, uh, Jessica. Uh, uh, oh no no Diane Quartz. <laughs> what is the mom's name? Do you know that Dingus? Could you remember that? Really? Of course. I can remember the name of the security code too. It's her name no, plus ninety. What? Plus or two one four. Two one four. The room in The Shining. Yeah. Lacey214. Her name is Lacey? Her name in Dark Skies is Lacey? Same as the Caddyshack hottie. That's weird. (laughs) Man, I do not remember that at all. Did I even see that? Wow. Lacey and Daniel and Sammy and Jesse. And no other family members and no friends. (laughs) All right, so uh, Dingus, tell us about why In Your Eyes is your favorite song in Say Anything. Why is this your number one pick? All right. So first of all, um, this is not a song that that uh, that Lloyd Dobler would be playing in his car. He would be playing like he would be playing Fishbone songs. But he's he's taken Diane Court, who is not in his league, out to the beach to make out with her in the back of his car, and probably loses virginity. And so he's playing a song that she would like, and he's. He's in the back seat and he's just trembling and he's shaking and she's trying to calm him down. And the song that's playing is Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes. And she and she's saying to him, listen to this song. I love this song. This is a really good song. And she's trying to calm him down. And this is the this is their song. This is going. This is how a song becomes your song. This is this is that moment where a song becomes your song in not an artificial way. And so later on, in that iconic moment where he's holding a boombox over his head and playing the Peter Gabriel song, that's why he's doing it, because that happens earlier. But nobody remembers that earlier moment. All anybody remembers is, why is he holding that boombox over his head and playing the Peter Gabriel song? And what's more is that Cameron Crowe really, really wanted this song for his movie, but Peter Gabriel would never allow this song to be used in any movies. But Cameron Crowe said, hey, Please can can 
can we have this song for Say Anything? I, I think it's really good for this moment in the movie. And so Peter Gabriel said, okay, send me a cut of the movie and let me look at it. And the problem is the production company sent uh, Peter Gabriel uh, a cut of the movie, and Peter Gabriel said, you know, sorry, I think that this uh, that moment at the end where there's that that death with the overdose is a little bit much, and I don't think... <laughs> I song is right for that. And it turns out the production company sent uh, a cut, a rough zero. cut of the movie Wired, uh, uh, where what? John Belushi uh, has a, a, an overdose. And Cameron Crowe <laughs> said, no, 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 no that, that's not my movie. This is my movie. It's Say Anything. Uh, this. And Peter Gabriel goes, oh, yeah, you can use that. Go ahead. I don't believe a word of this fucking story. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Obviously apocryphal. Urban, urban uh, legend, right? Urban legend. It, it's 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 totally apocryphal, but I just oh freaking love this this song so much, and and nobody remembers that first moment when they're at the beach and they're hearing the song on the radio of the car, and she says she calms him down by hearing it, and that's why he holds the boombox. Well, the, so in your eyes, there you go. Yeah, the point of the problem is that early in the movie, people are still getting used to the fact that they're watching a movie about a guy named Lloyd Dobler, Dobler and Diane Court. Like it like rhymes with cobbler, Dobler, really? It's right. disgusting, Tom. I don't believe this. I, <laughs> I'm going to trust but verify. That's why there's so many love songs, though, is because if there's one playing constantly, you can always go, oh, see, that's our song. Like, any time you're making out with someone. It's <laughs> like they'll have one on. Kelly Wand, what's your song? Uh, 2001. <laughs> it's just the way my dick's shaped, though. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, oh, okay, no. There goes our PG-13 rating. It's like because, a uh, Do we have a... Uh, <laughs> Do we have a uh, in, input from readers on their favorite songs in movies? We do have a input from readers. We have a lot of input from readers, actually. Our, so, uh, so our first one is from uh, a fellow named Jacob Hyde. Uh, hey, uh, Jacob Hyde here. I keep meaning to write into the 3x3, but always kept up forgetting. Anyways, for the first time, here's my three picks with quotes. Number three, quote, So rose the dreadful ghost from his next and blackest opera. There on the stage stood the figure of a dead commander, and I knew only understood that the horrifying apparition was Leopold rising from the dead. Wolfgang had summoned up his own father to accuse his son before all the world. What movie? <laughs> uh, the movie is Amadeus. Oh, and while the movie features the music being written, the music was not written for the movie. The piece in particular I'm referring to is Don Giovanni by Wolfgang Mozart. Not Everything the song? Salieri's uh, <laughs> monologuing look on Mozart's face and <laughs> audience's service applause all works perfectly to make it one of the most memorable scenes in this form. See, though, that's kind of written for the movie, because it's, it's a biopic about the composer, so that breaks the topic. I'm pretty sure that wasn't written for Amadeus. Number two, quote, You see, this profession is filled to the brim with unrealistic motherfuckers. Motherfuckers out there ask, uh, okay, wait a minute, why are you quoting? The movie is Pulp Fiction, and the song in question is Butch singing along with the radio to the Statler Brothers song Flowers on the Wall while sitting at a stoplight. Ah, a nice moment right before Marcel Swallis notices him as he's crossing the street in front of Bird. Oh, that's coffee. a good one. Yeah, that Flowers on the Wall is a great one. And his number one, Marcy Marcy, Where You Going? 
Uh, I fully expect this was on someone's list already, so I'm not going to explain why I picked it, because I really don't feel like it needs to be explained. It's just beautiful. This is, of course, Martha, Marcy May Marlene, and the song in question is John Hawke's performance of uh, uh, song by Jackson Frank. But he's but he's singing... Uh, Dingus, does that fit your topic? Because it was songs... Like, can the actors be singing the song in the movie? Is that allowed? Was it written for the movie, though? If it was previously recorded, that's okay. I, what I said was, it, uh, I preferred something that wasn't necessarily that, but right. if it was previously recorded, I'm okay with that. Uh, there's a great Jackson Frank song at the end of the movie, though, at the end of Martha Marcy May Marlene. Um, but I do love John Hawks. I'm glad, I'm glad Jacob picked that, and I love John Hawks singing that song, but there's an actual Jackson Frank song with Jackson Frank singing it at the end of the movie, so... Uh, Jacob, good pick, but... Uh, but that's not the one he's talking about, is it? Yeah, I know. Oh. I just wanted to amend his pick. I know what he Are did. we allowed to do that? <laughs> can, can I change Jacob's pick, Dingus? <laughs> yes, you're allowed to do that. You've been corrected, Jason. <laughs> Don't let it happen again. First of all, Kelly Wine, his name is Jacob. Jacob. See... <laughs> <laughs> there's this thing they do in movies now in Canada. I don't know if they do it down there, where it's like people play on their cell phones. This thing where you get to guess trivia questions. And the trivia question before uh, Dark Skies was like, name all the werewolves in Twilight. <laughs> and Jacob was the only one I thought there was. And all these like chicks' names start coming up. Ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, what? There's one named Jared. Isn't Anna Kendrick a werewolf in one of the Twilight movies? <sighs> Don't sigh at me, Kelly Wan. That's I'm not making that up. That might be a real thing. Her Heinz Harrier in the <laughs> Kelly Wand. All right, Dingus, proceed. Sorry, I, I apologize. Sorry. Dingus, I apologize for Kelly Wand cutting you off. Tom, when, when Kelly says there's a thing they do in, <laughs> is there anything Any... that makes you think about? <laughs> what? No. What is it? What is it like? I don't know. When he says there's, there's a thing they do in, it just makes me think of that moment where, uh, you know, when George Bush says um, <laughs> anything. We got to say it in Texas. I don't know if they have it in Tennessee. We got to yeah. have it in Texas. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. Me and Bush are almost the same. <laughs> I agree. All right. So Fred and Lynn is the next uh, listener submission. First off, you guys forgot about the Cameron Diaz slash Benicio Del Toro crazed flirting knife-flashing elevator scene Fear and Loathing, which leads to this week's 3 by 3 Number one, uh, Fear and Loathing. He starts with number one. Or Fred and Lynn start with number one. Fear and Loathing, that's White Rabbit. Uh, two, uh, Fight Club going out west. And three, Dreaded Snuffbox theme. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Very nice. Score. Although, you know what? White Rabbit is so awesome in so many movies, but I have to give the nod to its its appearance in Serious Man, yeah. where it displaces years of rabbinic study uh, as the point <laughs> of the movie. No, it's a different song. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's once it's somebody to love. Dadgummit, Kelly Wand. Uh-huh. Well, at least I didn't get the reader's name wrong. The rabbi listen, knew it, the listener's it, name wrong. The rabbi named the whole band, and you're all... Damn. <laughs> uh, does, does the song White Rabbit appear in Matrix? Probably. A white rabbit does. A tattoo does. Does in the song. Yeah. Follow the white uh, rabbit. Well, well, which song appears in Cable Guy? Wants somebody to love. That's where Jim Carrey does the karaoke to somebody to love. Uh, That's good, love. isn't it? It's awesome. Cable guy is yeah. Cable guy needs to be a more three by three. I want, I want you guys to see what you can do about that. Uh, he also does that Star Trek thing. Shut up, wand. Get off our internet. 
All right, so go go ahead, Dingus. We we cut you off. Kelly wanted to cut you off again. I apologize. Sorry. All right, so our next our next listener choice is uh, Jeff Sweet, and this is for this week's three by three. I decided to go with music that's actually being performed by characters in the movie. Number three, I look at my red. This is a quote from the song. I look at my red hands and my mean face, and I wonder about that man that's gone so wrong. I guess that's from the movie. So this is from the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert. Board. And this is Nick Cave performing the folk song, The Ballad of Jesse James. I'll jump at any chance to bring up this movie. It's a great cameo as well. Uh, there's a great uh, Zoe Deschanel musical performance in that movie as well. Uh, number two, Toscanini once recorded a piece 65 times. You know what he said when he finished? It could be better. Think about it. And this is from the movie The Tree of Life. Brad Pitt performing Bach's Fugue in D minor. I love this sequence of the film so much. Not only is it one of my favorite works of music ever composed, but the sequence both gives us insight into Mr. O'Brien as a regretful man who gave up his dream to be a great musician for a career in engineering that left him frustrated and stymied, and his relationship with his children, who both love and resent him. Not a song, but go ahead. (laughs) his number one choice here's the quote that's an interesting choice of swimwear unquote that's from Martha Marcy May Marlene John Hawks performing Marcy's song by Jason Franks I'd never heard of this song prior to seeing Martha Marcy May Marlene but John Hawks rendition is mesmerizingly beautiful and also more than a little unsettling given the context Kelly Wan what did you think of Elizabeth Olsen's choice of swimwear (laughs) All right, so the next one is... uh, Thank you, Jeff Sweet. Uh, The next one is Frederick K. Good day, gents. This is interesting. Never really did a 3x3 before, so I thought I'd finally put it to task. To jog my memory, I had some help from the Mrs. So here's a collaborative effort of sorts. First up, I'd like to mention the end of the scene of Dr. Strangelove. Beautiful work with Ah. again by Vera Lynn. Then we'll have 28 days later when What's-His-Face walks out of a hospital into an empty London (laughs) and the amazing East Hastings from Godspeed, you black emperor place as he walks around. Hold on, Dingus. I got a question for you. Where did Mr. K put the exclamation point in Godspeed, you black emperor? Because it is important. It's Godspeed, you black emperor. Okay. Big Lots puts it in the big, in the middle. (laughs) It's weird to me. Not a song, but... And then he has a bunch of uh, honorable mentions, but those are his picks. <laughs> Which we're not going to go over. Uh, uh, well, I, I don't I don't want to... I mean, we have a lot... We could go honorable mentions. How many mentions are there? Stay long. All right, all right. Uh, we've got a right. number of... We've got at least six more. Oh, my gosh. Right. Yeah, that's right. Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. Not being a very, mu- very musical person, this was a particularly trick tricky topic for me but here goes number three the entertainer scott joplin rag heard in various places in the sting not a song or is that a song i hate that song (laughs) okay we'll accept that (laughs) (laughs) number two blue danube not a song Uh, the action switches from the apes so the movie's present in 2001 not a song not a song paul weimer sorry not a song so far Two things that aren't songs, all right? For, let's see if Paul Weimer can get it on a third try. 
<laughs> Number one, if you leave me now by Chicago playing during the ra- raid sequence in Three Kings. That is I love the juxtaposition of easily easy listening with the deadly and deadly serious business the film's protagonists were engaged in. All right. Uh, from the director of Kelly Wan's favorite movie of 2012, by the way. Oh, did Jennifer Lawrence win the Oscar? She did, yes, but we're not... Ah, best movie, then. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Paul chose, uh, from his three picks, one song. That's good. That works. I like that one. That's a good pick. Uh, Our next one is uh, a fellow named David Lessonberry. Dear gang, long-time listener, first-time contributor, this topic was broad enough that even I could come up with three Andrews. Thank you, David. Uh, A Wes... Anderson trifecta number one, Rushmore the Kinks. There's nothing in the world stop me worrying about that girl. The Max's sad montage number two, Royal Tenenbaums, Royal, uh, the Rolling Stones. She smiled sweetly. I believe this was in the tent scene. And number three, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. The Stooges search and destroy. Oh, Zizou goes buck wild on some pirates. It's the best scene in Life Aquatic. Nice pick. I like that one. Who was that, Dingus? Uh, this is Dave Lessonberry, and he goes on to say, Search and Destroy has some of the most awesome slash stupid lyrics that Iggy Pop ever penned, which is quite an accomplishment. You know, you could do a... Oh, go ahead, Dick. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm a street-walking cheetah with a hide full of napalm. I'm the runaway son of a nuclear H-bomb. I'm the world's forgotten boy, the one who searches to destroy. Uh, you could do a great three by three of best use of uh, uh, "I Want to Be Your Dog" by Iggy Pop and the Stooges. By the way, <laughs> ah, Lots of scenes with that. Yeah, I don't understand anything. <laughs> uh, David Lessonberry goes on to say, "Mr. Anderson and I must have similar taste in music because these are my these are three of my favorite songs. This is my only criteria." Sincerely, Dave Lessonberry. Kelly, Wan, should Dave Lessonberry know that he also probably shares musical taste with someone who notoriously, well, who famously helps Wes Anderson? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Kelly. I meant Dingus. I meant to oh, read that question to Dingus. Now. You would have no idea who Mark Mothersby is. I'm was... never aware. <laughs> She's a great big fat person. <laughs> uh, but you got, I mean, obviously Wes Anderson is into this music, but certainly Mark Mothersbaugh is such a fixture of, of most of Wes Anderson's soundtracks. Michael Mann movies, no one's picking him upset. Because uh, Tangerine Dream, music is not a song, Kelly Wand. <sighs> I know you're thinking of the key. ghost. Oh. <laughs> How many more do we got? 17. Jesus Christ! Next is Soren Hoogland. I uh, had one self-imposed rule for the 3 by 3 no Quentin Tarantino. Since he mainly uses pre-recorded music and usually makes fantastic soundtrack choices, I'd make filling the community. So wait, wait, wait. Three, I just want to say before what that, it. it's totally gimping it because now he can't use that awesome, awesome, awesome uh, Bobby Womack song from Jackie Brown. That's what I was going to have my runner-up be, but instead oh. said it, so now I and, won't. And, and Soren can't have it on his list now that he's gimped himself. All right. So Dingus, what has he left us with? Number three, he's got somebody in the house with him, Jack. This is from the movie Manhunter. I really like Manhunter. I win. For my money, it's the best Lecter movie. There's no denying the climax is lacking. I don't know. We all know that the climax is lacking. I don't know if they ran out of time and money when they were shooting it, but it certainly feels like it. One of the the things that saves it from failing completely is that Iron Butterflies in Agata DeVita 
which mm-hmm. Dalaride has been using to terrorize Joan Allen's character, keeps playing throughout the assault on his house. Yes. Yeah, so, number two, those guys are fucking posers. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> Here's where I do a Kelly Wand and break the category. Because <laughs> this is actually three songs used as setup, beat, and punchline. Uh, Carol, Harold and Kumar have been running into a bunch of aggravating extreme sports punks, and finally they pay the punks back by stealing their car, where they find Cole's Extreme Mix Volume 5. Cole's Extreme Mix is a bunch of 80s pop, and starts off with Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart, uh, cut to Amy Grant, Baby Baby, really bop their heads, glancing at each other to see if one's going to smirk. Cut to Wilson Phillips, hold on, they're singing along at the top of their lungs in the air. Great scene. Harold Kumar. Kumar. Kumar has that dream about heart singing crazy on you, with, where he's married to the bag of weed, and then abuses it one morning, and then they make up. You remember that? Okay. <laughs> and his number one is Repent. The end is extremely fucking nigh. From 28 Days Later, when East Hayes East Hastings by Godspeed You Black Emperor exclamation point plays during the scenes in Deserted London. Wait, he put the exclamation point after Emperor? Yes, it comes after oh. Emperor. Oh, so wrong. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Embarrassing. At least it's a song, though. And Imperial. Uh, all right, our, our second to last one is from Aaron Vaughn. Uh, here are my picks for the best uses of pre-existing music in a mu- movie if I'm not too late. Uh, all right, wish my name was um, number three, Apocalypse Now, where the speakers are blaring Ride of the Valkyrie. Not a song? <laughs> Go ahead, sorry, take it, Sam. Number Wait, two. It's not. Oh. No, it's a movement from an, it's from an opera. Ugh, it's not a song. Okay, he, was, he says a preface. I was reluctant to write in after Tom swore me as a mortal enemy after pegging him as a topic breaker, but Ben Dingus made us all see dark skies this week. God, jerks. <laughs> I hate all of you. Much to my chagrin and to the light of my girlfriend who excitedly declared him as her nigga for having <laughs> we no choice but to watch it. In light of my stealing my lady, I guess Dingus is now my mortal enemy. Great. Ah, uh, no, Dingus. Nothing. Yeah. And Dingus said the N-word, so he's racist. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like so number it. two, Ace Ventura, when nature, when nature Calls. When Jim Carrey is singing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang to Ian McNeese. I like that Blow Through the Jungle. I like that movie. It was and- between this and the Slinky song at the beginning of the movie. So he has two choices from Ace Ventura. All right, number one, American Psycho. Christian Bale lets us know both how crazy is my assault Uh guess with pop culture knowledge about Huey Lewis and the news while blasting hip to be square and then murdering him. The last time his Wall Street guest asks so many questions about Christian does in the comfort of his own apartment. By the way, that's great because so often a song comes into a movie bringing its own baggage to presumably help the movie, to give it a little kick in the pants. Uh, I don't think a movie has ever completely destroyed a song quite like American Psycho did for that Huey Lewis song. <laughs> you don't see Huey Lewis in that movie? What, have you, have you seen American Psycho, Kelly Wand? Yeah, but I don't remember the singer being in his apartment. How can, no, not not literally, not his in his person, but the singer's creative work is in the apartment during a crucial scene, and is uh, basically Christian Bale does as much violence to the other person in the apartment as he does to Huey Lewis's song. It's a beautiful scene. 
So Crazy Train would have been... <laughs> Too easy. Right, exactly. That's why we didn't get that. Okay. Uh, Mary Heron, is that who directed uh, American Psycho, by the way? Dingus knows. Even Dingus. Dermot. Anyway. Yeah. All right, we have one more choice. This is Sean C. I uh, hope I'm not too late with this. My friend Aaron talking me into sending the list. Number three, Starship Troopers Fade Into You by Mazzy Star uh, during the fist fight between Rico and Xander. Uh, number two, Inglorious Bastards, Un Amico from the movie Revolver during the projector booth shootout. And number one, Evil Dead, Jazz Traditional Charleston when Ash is in the cellar. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, Kelly Wand, what do you think of that? Damn, that was terrifying. What the fuck? <laughs> Did that happen in that movie? The first one? There's a phonograph in the cellar? And it, apparently the Charleston. Yeah, how about that? The Charleston. Oh, and we have one from the spam folder. Sorry. This is Phoebe Harris. Hey, guys. Wow, what a great topic. Uh, Tom's cat likes girl. <laughs> It's very hard to narrow it down to just three. After putting the list together, I see that the songs that are particularly effective for me are opening songs. All right, so number three, The Big Chill, You Can't Always Get What You Want, by The Rolling Stones. This was the song chosen by the deceased to be played at the funeral, which brought all the characters together. Uh, number two, Kill Bill Volume 1, Bang Bang, My Baby Shot Me Down, Nancy Sinatra. What is going on? All no. songs. Oh, good. And number one, Sucker Punch, Sweet Dream Made of This by the Eurythmics. You know that, Tom? Mm, boy. Well, I, I liked it better in Striptease. I won't try to convince you Sucker Punch was a good movie, uh, even though it is my favorite of the last several years. Whoa! <laughs> what I will say is that this opening sequence was a perfect match of a song, story, and cinematography. Whatever else you think of Zack Snyder, his craft at marrying video to music on a moment-to-moment -moment basis is breathtaking. It also gets bonus points for having the lead actress sing the song and sing it well. What do you think of that, Dingus, now with your complaints about Where's My Mind? Put that in uh, Jeez. I'm fine with that since uh, her runner-up is across the universe. I want you. Uh, yeah, but that's that's kind of like a Beatles biopic, though. It's kind of like Amadeus doesn't really count. What's I just love that she chose a eurythmic song for Sucker Punch instead of that. Who's who's that? The Dingoes. What's your favorite group, Tom? Pixies. Dingoes. What are you talking oh, about? Pixies. Pixies sorry. Dingoes. 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 See? Another Freudian slip that means something, Tom. Marsupial? Hmm? Yeah. Uh, dingoes are marsupials? <laughs> yeah. Wait. I know that. Uh, they carry around baby. The kangaroo took your baby. <laughs> uh, all right. Runners up. Kelly Wan, do you have any runners up for us? Favorite songs in movies? That Jackie Brown one. And that is awesome. Uh, carry on my wayward son in the watch was pretty awesome. Oh God, Kelly Bond, why are you why are you doing this to us? Because <laughs> uh, I'm dumb. Uh, Romy and Michelle, I can't remember. All right, Dingus, any runners up? Give up. Uh, I have one one that I freaking love. Again, not from any Wes Anderson movie. I think a thousand of those, um, and I could also pick a thousand Quentin Tarantino ones. But here's one that that Tom made me think of. Uh, Limelight from I Love You, Man. <laughs> Very good, Dingus. That is awesome. 
Uh, Why isn't there more Rush in movies, by the way? <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, let's see. Next week's 3x3. Three three. Kelly Wan, what do you have for us and the listeners? Oh, okay. I either have a good one or one that's kind of lame, but it might be funny just to like hear Tom, like picture what Tom's face looks like if I say it. Oh, well, you're going to have to pick one of those two. All right, I'll tell you which one I'm picking, and then you guess which of those I thought I did. Okay. I like this game. <laughs> Three best explosions. <laughs> now, do you think that was the good one I'm sandbagging or the stupid one that I only did because I'm picturing Tom's exasperated weariness at contemplating it? Or neither. Or both. You know, Can we, we just call them explosions? <laughs> Taking off the table implosions. Oh, because I was going to use the end of the abyss. Dadgummit. And, um... You're welcome, slaves. Three best explosions. Yeah! You ready for some quotes? Like, clear, kid. <laughs> Right the fuse. Here's my O face. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> All right, if you have uh, some ideas for best explosions, we want to hear them. Send them in to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's the number 3, the letter X, the number 3, at and spell out quarter to 3com uh, Join us. Yes, Kelly Wand. Well, we want to read them. We're not going to hear the explosions when they send them. You know what, if you want to send in a sound file, <laughs> if that's part of it. <laughs> Go ahead, send it in. We'll play it on the air. Will we? Sure. That kind of tech. I should have done this a long long time ago. Uh, Next week, we will be seeing... Kelly Wand, is Stoker going to open in Vancouver? Uh, No, but Stoker Ace is having a revival at the um, Science World Dome. We're going to hope that it does, because Dingus and I are going to see Stoker, which is the Chan Wu Park uh, movie with Mia Wasikowska, Nicole Kidman. I forget who else is in it. Someone of note. Those are the two main ones, and I know nothing about it, uh, which is as it should be. Kelly Wan, if you can see it, see it in Vancouver. If you cannot see it, Kelly Wan, your job, if Stoker does not open in Vancouver, Kelly Wan, your job is to to see Snitch and let us know if it's any good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> and pain and gain. No pain and gain. I want to see. Come on. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I kind of do too. Oh god, uh, you both. Why do you hate us both, Dingus? We're not going to see that. Ah, oh, Jesus. It's no, Mark Wahlberg in a comedy, as it should be. It's not like we made you see something dumb this week instead of side effects. I don't know why you're good, mad. Good point. <laughs> I tell you what, Kelly. If Snitch isn't playing, uh, check out Last Exorcism two and get back to us on that one. Uh. The first one should have been called Next to Last Exorcism. The penultimate exorcism, right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, so join us next week for Stoker and our 3x3 of uh, favorite or best explosions, Kelly Wand. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Murlowski. It's Christian Murlowski. And Kelly Wand. The third one will be after the, the one after the last exorcism. Stop. Uh, you're such a jerk. What? <laughs>
This is the one from this is uh, his Trump card. He's just a jerk. He's a jerk. La 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 la. Damn it, you win. Damn it. Why does Dingus upset about it? Because I love this so damn much. Oh. Hey, you want a Canada? Yeah. I went and had my, uh, since my insurance getting cut off, uh, I went to the dentist and they go, okay, it's $800 for your crown. And I go, oh, I thought you guys had socialized medicine in here. It's kind of the reason I defected. And they're all, yeah, but not dental. And I went, so that's how stupid. It's nothing. How come dental doesn't Thanks, Canada. Canada. Yeah. Tom, do you have a Winnetka or Tongado? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I went to see Dark Skies and Dingus talked during it. Ew. And he was scared. He was scared and he squealed like a little girl. Actually, Dingus, I was surprised you didn't jump at any of the jump scares. You actually twitched and shrieked when that alien showed up when Carrie Russell's in the room and she's like, there was somebody in here. Yeah, it's like Tom will jump before it happens, even. So then, when it does happen, it's kind of ruined. In a way. It's a preemptive jump. No, I'm I'm easily startled. I mean, I, I make no bones about that. It's easy to get me to jump in a movie. Uh, yeah. Even that Scott kid Stewart. scare early on. Which one? Scott Stewart. I don't Scott know who Scott Stewart. Stevens is. Yeah. Oh, there's Wait. a kid scare when she's looking at the at the uh, the the stacked what would be stacked up chairs and poltergeist, and the little kid comes up behind her. It was a kid scare. Uh, oh, that was awesome. The kid touches her back, and then the music goes, Mah! Yeah. To remind us that it was supposed to be scary. Yeah. Oh, I thought the aliens were playing that music. The best moment is that quintessential moment where the kid turns around and his eyes are black because he took his, took his eyes out. Tom's like, Ooh. Oh, Tom's uh, like, I actually wasn't yeah, looking. I, no, you know what? I had my eyes closed during that part. I only opened them after he would, was turned around, so I did not see that thing. That's why it didn't scare me. So there. Eh. Kind of they keep doing that. Here's a, here, yeah. Oh, Here's a one that Uh The manager at my theater is incredibly hot. We've got this really yeah. hot chick at the, at the theater <laughs> that Dingus talked to. Did you, did you chat her up? Like, hey, I do a podcast about dark skies. I should, Maybe we should, I should uh, play at Battlestar Galactica some night. <laughs> <laughs> I'll share what is the Cylons. God, I love this song so much. Which part of uh, you've been a bad girl. <laughs> Wait, who said that? The aliens? <laughs>